Hello, and welcome to the very festive Christmas seasonal episode of uh, Did you say festive? <laughs> Didn't mean to. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Happy holidays, because we are part of the vanguard in the war against Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I conscripted it yesterday when I had to listen to one too many Mariah Carey. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, happy holiday and Merry Christmas, however you celebrate. Just, you know, don't get bogged down in the details and just remember the... Reason for the season is teaming up with three ghosts to terrify rich people until they pay <laughs> their employees a fair wage. <laughs> yes, that is what Christmas is all about. <laughs> all right. Um, my name is Lynn. As always, I'll be your host. And I have with me Eric McGill, my long-suffering co-host. <laughs> You have no idea what he's been telling me. And the, the, before the show started, he's he's trying to make me miserable before we even start recording. <laughs> <laughs> We've been planning what we're going to do early next year. And I'm... <laughs> I'm not I'm happy writing, about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing checks that Eric will have to cash and he's not happy about it. <laughs> well, my uh, descent into madness will make for good content. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this very uh, Christmas edition of our podcast, we're going to be talking about Gremlin, which I just finished watching, and I'm trying to become convinced that is one of the best Christmas movies of all time. All right. Uh, See, it's easy for me this week, too, just like it was easy for you last week. <laughs> uh, we're also going to be talking about a lot of the things we've been watching and uh, that you can binge and you should binge in this during this little break, you guys get do you guys get um, days off in America? Um, I don't know what kind of what, how bad of a capitalist nightmare. It <laughs> yeah, we get like it depends on where you work. Some people get a couple days off. Some people get like a week off. And all the kids who are in school usually get two or three weeks off. So yeah, okay. I have ten days off. Wow, that's uh, nice. I don't have to go back to work until the second, and uh, I, I I'm actually getting less than my most of my friends who don't have to go back to work until like the seventh and i hate them. <laughs> wow you're lucky like my wife yeah. like she apparently works for a slave driver she only got one day off but she put what? in p she put in pto and got more than that so she's taking more than one day off <laughs> but they only gave her christmas day off so and i'm like that's stupid <laughs> that's rough yeah what about boxing day the true christmas day where we spent all the money <laughs> no, we we this is America. We spend all that money every day. <laughs> uh, is Boxing Day uh, uh, as big as Black Friday these days? No, not in the United States. Like barely anybody here even knows what Boxing Day is. So, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Huh. Boxing Day sales are still pretty significant here. Uh, I mean, theoretically, they you know they just put out the price and then load it back down. Oh, of it. course. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Australian customer law actually stop uh, stop people from doing that, but they find loopholes around it. Of course, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> ho ho ho! Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism! Yeah. Yay! The, the true reason for the season. 
<laughs> so anyway, getting back to it, after Gremlin, we're going to be talking about all the new trailers we've been watching, th- and th- things we've been watching and we think you should watch, like The Fall of the House of Usher, Jun V, that new Scott Pilgrim, all the um, Ahsoka and Mandalorian seasons that Eric was late in watching, so we couldn't <laughs> talk about until now. Loki season two. Did I already say new Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> I don't think you did, but maybe, you uh, know. Doctor Who. You know, uh, Fallout trailer. Uh, some trailers of shows and movies that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> uh, I'm going go, uh, to go study spiders in the... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Study spiders in the Amazon right Amazon! Before God, I don't know why my brain couldn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I heard a horror story recently that somebody said... Uh, uh, you know the Amazon, like referring to the Amazon forest, and their brother was like, "What? Like the the, the online shop?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> isn't that isn't that a very awful and accurate succinct indictment of our current <laughs> climate? Capitalism, baby! Merry Christmas!" <laughs> Uh, all right, okay, so let's get to Gremlins. <laughs> um, I, last time when we talked about it, um, uh, when I pitched you um, Elf, you haven't seen Elf, and uh, I decided to rewatch Gremlin, even though you're the one who's going to be pitching me Gremlin, because I realized that I've only seen Gremlins once. It's Gremlins wow. 2 that I've seen multiple times. Well, uh, Gremlins 2 is incredible. It's awesome, and I love it, but that's not... It is it's not the same movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't seen Gremlins 2, before going and watching Gremlins 2, go and watch the Key and Peel skit about the pitch for Gremlin 2. <laughs> and then go watch Gremlin 2. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> you, you've seen the skit I'm talking about. I right? have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I won't describe the skit and ruin it. Just go watch it and then go watch Gremlins too. <laughs> uh, but so, so I decided, like, I'm trying to recall plot points from Gremlin and I realized I don't remember much except the basic about, like, how he obtained Gizmo. Right. Um, and, and how the, at one point a bulldozer drives through the house. <laughs> so I decided to rewatch it and, yeah, it's a pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what else is incredible? All the notes you have down here in our shared document. So I can't wait to hear your justification <laughs> of some of these takes. So take it away, Eric. <laughs> well, when I when I was growing up, I was very confused by like some of the subtext of this movie because in my brain it felt like the whole concept of the gremlins, you know, like the actual historical blaming the Japanese for putting little monsters in our air fighters and stuff and making things break. And that's where the, the whole concept of gremlins comes from. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> you don't know that you re- you really <laughs> don't know that. Like the <laughs> actual historical gremlins was just this idea that fighter pilots during world war two came up with to explain all these technical malfunctions they were having with their fighter jets was that like Japanese people were putting 
actual gremlins, like little monsters or something in their machines to break them, to sabotage them. I have no idea. Oh, you mean, when when they say Japanese people, they're not talking about the enemy? They're talking about, like, American Japanese people? Is that that what they're saying? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know. (laughs) How is the enemy getting access to your jet? That's a good point. If they can can put a monster in your jet, they could probably just blow it up, right? Yeah. I'll shoot you. Um, but no, there's like old cartoons, just like an old Disney cartoon about gremlins on the wing and stuff. And like the classic Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what that's what gremlins are like, just historically. Um, this movie oh. kind of goes in a completely different direction. Like, but like, I mean, we do have like a like a guy who's clearly supposed to be a veteran. Uh, yeah, and he talks about gremlins. Well. Yeah, 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 Mr. Futterman. Yeah, but no, I didn't understand the contest. Yeah, now you got it. Um. So, like, this idea that, like, there's this foreign influence, you know, you go to Chinatown and you bring in this thing that you've collected from from a foreigner and it's going to wreck your whole city and destroy everything. And you got Mr. Futterman railing about, like, foreign parts in his tractor and shit. Um, and so, like, there's this undercurrent of xenophobia that kind of, like, yeah. confused me as a kid. I was like, wait, what? Is this movie really trying to say that, like, Things from China are bad. Like, like what? What is going on here? Um, but it clearly isn't, though. No, it's by not. The end, you know, by yeah. the end, like it's all about like cultural acceptance and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And like, it, it makes it very, very clear. You have to be like willfully ignorant to what the guy's saying to miss that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that that's one way you could look at the movie if you are mentally deficient in some way. <laughs> <laughs> look. Media literacy is an all-time low. I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But now, I actually think this movie is about how consumerism has destroyed the spirit of Christmas. I think that's that's the only way to look at the movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, My plan to to use this podcast as a radicalization of Eric is (laughs) starting to to come into fruition. (laughs) Like, I'm a good little capitalist and a good little consumer, but, you know, I like a good anti-consumerism movie like anything anybody else. You know, it's great. Oh, uh, we'll get we'll get you yet, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how much money this movie made. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so what's the threat? Okay, so like the movie starts. I mean, the movie you've got you've got this father who's an inventor, a terrible inventor, but somehow has a shitload of money that he can just flash around, and he goes to Chinatown to buy. Well, first of all, he's there to sell his horrible invention yeah. in this like foreign item, like antique shop. Um, I don't know why he thinks that they're gonna sell his bathroom buddy there, but you know he's got to do his thing. Um, and while he's there, he finds. Gizmo, the Mogwai, yeah. um, the proto Grogu. Um, <laughs> he is a proto Grogu, isn't he? He's, okay. He looks very similar. <laughs> two, t- two, th- two things I want to raise. First of all, he got cold called into the shop off the street by the Chinese kid. That's true. Yeah, but, yeah. But he comes in to sell them something. So already it's like two capitalists just. At cross purposes, just try to exploit each other, right? Exactly. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're already at that, and also uh, one thing I have to raise is though, 
Mokwai means evil spirit in Chinese. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's already not a great name. Like, uh, and it's weird because Gizmo is supposed to be the, a good guy. Yeah, he's like the wholesome, cute. I mean, he's like the one good one. All the other Mogwais were evil, even before yeah. they turned into gremlins. Well, the other one's a gremlin. Before yeah, they even turned into gremlins, they were kind of dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, but no, like, um, he he wants to, he decides he, he's going to buy this Mogwai, even though the the guy behind the counter is like, no, that that's definitely not for sale. No amount of money will we'll buy it. And he's just like pulling out wads of cash and throwing them on the table. Yeah. So you don't want $100? How about $200? I'm putting $200 in front of you. Everything is for sale kind of mentality, you know? Um, yeah. And even though the guy won't sell it, he still it, winds up it leaving is defense, with it. Yeah, it is the fence. The kid they, the, the kid did say everything in Grandma's shop is for sale. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is the kid who winds up giving it to him anyway, um, because they yeah. need money. Yeah. Because they're desperate because of capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then you 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 cut to the small town. I mean, it looks like. So, Hill Valley from Back to the Future. Go yeah. Ahead. Before we get to the small town, let's talk about the 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 movie begins like a fable, like with the it father does, totally. narrative. You know, like it's a morality tale, and it ends as a morality tale. And then in the middle, it's just abject violent horror. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like some kind of weird, like William Castle, you know. <sighs> crazy movie like like most of the movies just chaos <laughs> and then you've got this nice little christmas fairy tale the beginning and end you know <laughs> um sorry go on let's let's go to this town i have anyway i have a couple of things to say about this damn town but you stop <laughs> <laughs> this town is fucked um, the the main character billy he works at a bank i mean how many more hints do we need um and yeah. He, uh, for some reason, brings his dog to work and hides his dog under the desk all day long. Like, how's that going to play out? <laughs> um, and hey, that dog seems pretty smart. No, that dog's great. I love that dog. And I, yeah. I hate what happens to that dog. But the dog does live. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gizmo calls him Woof Woof, which is cute. Yeah. Um, Gizmo rides him in number two. <laughs> that's true. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I really got to watch part two. I haven't seen it in years. Um, it's not. It's not good. No, it's, it's a terrible good. movie, but I love it. I love it. It's like it's like the Mad Magazine version of Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and he has to contend with the most evil character in the whole movie, Mrs. Deagle. And I love how in your in the notes you wrote, Mrs. Deagle can eat a whole bag of dicks. <laughs> She's like a cartoon character. She is so like she's she's Ebenezer Scrooge on steroids, you know. And yep. she's a crazy cat lady. You find out later. Um, <laughs> and she's like walking around with like this ceramic snowman head, and she's trying to like uh, exploit other people and like kick them out of their houses on Christmas because she, she's she, a landlord. She is. She's a, she's First a she's, <laughs> she's real estate. <laughs> yeah. She's a she's a goddamn landlord, and she's named after uh, the Desert Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you know pickle, what? Pickle, this pickle, movie pickle, is pickle. ahead of its time. Like it, without saying so much, it very clearly <laughs> highlights that all landlords do is exploit people. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Australia, especially where I am in Brisbane, is going through a monumental housing crisis right now. So this is a subject that is very close to my heart. <laughs> Landlords pro- provide housing the way scalpers provide concert tickets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she, like, she's even got that one line where like the 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 woman comes up to her like she's poor yeah. and she's desperate and she's hungry and she's got her two kids and they're all cold yeah. and and starving yeah. and she's like you know i can't quite afford it we're, we're doing everything we can to make to make some money but we don't we, we don't want to be kicked out right now so can you please show us some some help and i mean it's christmas and she says well now you know uh what to ask santa for <laughs> She's just like so she, evil. She she called them deadbeats in front of yeah, the kids. Yeah, she does she call look them at the kids and call them deadbeats. <laughs> deadbeats. And, and the all the woman is asking for is to wait two weeks. Yeah, just she an extension. That's all she's her, looking for. She explained to her that her her husband got a new job and she is also starting to work on the side. All they need is a bit more time. And right, Mrs. right. Deagle is a fucking cartoon character. <laughs> oh god, I hate her. <laughs> You're supposed to hate her. And like later when the when the the evil Mogwais um string up the dog, like nobody even questions like who did it? Everybody thinks it's Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> the mom <laughs> says some patent thing like we can't jump to conclusions, but everybody thinks it's Mrs. Deagle, and I don't think yeah. they ever revisit that topic. Like I think they just always assume it was Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> well, I mean, she threatened to kill the dog, like slowly, painfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she described how she's going to kill the dog, and she said she's going to put it in the put him in the dryer. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I just watched the movie yesterday, and I forgot. Um. And like the dog attacks her, rightfully so. And then, <laughs> well, the dog knows, Bonnie <laughs> knows. And she, she, when she describes how she's gonna kill him, he undo his leash and just jump on it. <laughs> just goes it down. <laughs> Fucking totally un, like unties the knot that's holding him in yeah. place, you know. Um, and then she's she just starts yelling at Billy after faking like a heart attack or something. And yeah. then as soon as she's done berating Billy, she just goes, "Oh my." Oh my god! It's so funny, fucking evil bitch. <laughs> She's the worst. She's the worst. And let's talk about Judge Reinhold's character. Yeah, this is when we meet Judge Reinhold. Um, what's his name? Gerald. Yeah. Yeah, Gerald. It's he weird like being called Jer. He's only in the movie for like two or three scenes, yeah. but he really does leave an impact because he is such a '80s archetype. He is the coked out businessman who thinks uh, what is it he says if you haven't earned your first million by 20 something well he he said he's 23 and right. he's now he's now like an assistant manager he think he'll be mani- he'll be in charge by 25 right and he, he said he'll be a millionaire by 30 first of all no you're not going to become a millionaire working at a bank. Bank in a what small town. About? What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Right. What are you talking about? Like It's the cocaine unless, talking, I'm telling you. Unless you're working, like, you're going to get paid well off if you're a manager of a bank. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to become a millionaire unless you're working at a bank to case the bank so you can drop it off millions of dollars. Okay? Maybe that is what he's doing. <laughs> And that is the carrot that capitalism dangle in front of you, Jer. <laughs> okay? You are this close to this much money, but only the man at the top is getting it, not you. <laughs> you up piece of shit. And he, like, oh, hits on... Uh, very he, Christmassy so far, isn't it? He hits on the girl, Phoebe Cates. I can't remember the, yep. uh, the character's name. Um, and she wants nothing to do with him, obviously. He's, he's awful. Yep. <laughs> 
But again, he's so coked up he doesn't notice. He thinks she loves him. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't think he cares. I don't think. I don't. No, think I don't he, think he cares. He but he, yeah, <laughs> no, he he sees her as like a, an object. But like he thinks yeah. everybody loves him. He thinks everybody yeah. admires him, and that's like how he presents himself. How he like faces yeah. the outside world. It's just like he's oblivious to what an idiot he is. <laughs> the character building here is very good because it. Uh, there's a lot of little touches in this like five minute scene alone that kind of flesh out all three characters. Yeah, uh, that's true. Without without making an exposition dub dialogue, you know, like uh, Billy is surprised that she's working here as well, and she talks about how oh, if if I work a couple of days, we don't have to hire an extra person, you know. Right, and she's uh, doing it pro bono, like she's not actually making yeah. any money. Yeah, yeah, and it shows their character and Jer immediately mocks it. Right, <laughs> you know? working for and, no money. What the hell? What yeah. is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, this is like good, good writing. Even, even the fact that like uh, uh, Billy called Gerald Ja for a second, right. and then he's like, "Don't call me that. My name is Gerald." So it's this is like clearly childhood friends that have diverged paths, right? They have familiarity right. enough, and even little things like. Billy moved from the bar to get away from Gerald, but Gerald doesn't recognize him. He follows him <laughs> to the table. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's also a scene where when Gerald asks Polly to come see her, his apartment, she's like, I haven't seen the old apartment. Uh, he ties her <laughs> with cable, which I think is hilarious. This is like precursor to Netflix and chill. And the camera immediately, like, she coldly shuts him down, and the camera immediately cut to her brushing fluff off Billy's shoulder. Right. Like, she coldly brushed him off and without saying it would, like, do a sign of affection towards Billy, which goes unnoticed by either of them. Like, it's clearly a natural show of affection. Like, it's such a good character building. I really like it. No, I agree. <laughs> um, you, you definitely get the sense of, of all their interactions and, and all their interpersonal relationships just from... You don't even really need any dialogue to figure that out. Um, yeah. Also, just as a side note, um, there is a cameo from Chuck Jones, the the animator who created Bugs Bunny. Um, when uh, Bill, uh, in this scene, at the very beginning of the scene, Billy's at the bar drawing yeah. Miss Deagle Snake. The person, the old yeah. man he's talking to is Chuck Jones, yeah. which is pretty cool. Uh, dragon. She was a dragon. Oh, it's a dragon. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Chuck Jones actually drew that. I don't know that for a fact, but that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, he's a he's he wants to be a cartoonist, right? That's what he is in, uh, in episode two. Is that's it? right. He yeah, to be a pet, like he wants to be a cartoonist. I don't think they say it at any point in the first movie, but yeah, I mean it's very clear by the second one. Maybe it was in the screenplay and it just never actually made it onto the screen. No, Fetterman talks about like. Fetterman's talk about whether or not uh, he's he's getting anywhere with his comics. Oh, uh, that's he, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fetterman's like, uh, 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 at some point, they'll put you right next to Abner. <laughs> and, uh, little Abner and Billy's like, they don't run that comic anymore. <laughs> right, because Mr. Fetterman's completely old and out of touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's really mad at a Volkswagen for being a foreign car, like a reliable <laughs> foreign car. But look, I hate to say this. <laughs> I know you guys love your American engineering, but German engineering is much more well known for being reliable than <laughs> American cars. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to debate that at all. Like, yeah, uh, I'm an American and I, I don't buy into the whole American made car thing. Like if you're going to buy a truck, sure, buy a Ford. But other than that, 
No, I own a Ford and I hate it. <laughs> in Australia, um, bogans, our, our name, our stereotype for rednecks, uh, uh, are really into Ford and Holden trucks. But honestly, but, like if you're a World War II veteran, I yeah. think you have every reason in the world not to like Volkswagens. <laughs> Yeah, fair. Das Auto. <laughs> I mean, look, they used to make... Well, I was going to say they used to make cars for the Nazis. They also used to make tanks for the Nazis. Yes. <laughs> That's actually how the company made its fortune. <laughs> but also, like, German tanks were real good. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but I will give Mr. Federman uh, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that was a bug he was talking about, and the bugs are a death trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the engine's in the fucking trunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're reliable. They're reliable little death traps. <laughs> uh, so who else do we meet? Well, in that scene, I think that's it. Um, oh, we, and meet, then we meet Pete. We meet, oh, yeah, Pete. Um, because he's selling the first he's working at the, the Christmas tree place. I think he's like yeah. the son of the owner or something. It doesn't look like he's actually like making money doing this. And for some reason yeah. he's dressed like a Christmas tree, which is, yeah. it still yeah, baffles me to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it took me until second scene to realize what's happening. I'm like, who's this card that we never see the face of? And also like, why is there two Christmas tree moving? I'm like, oh, I, he's dressed like a Christmas tree, <laughs> carrying a Christmas tree. It's so bizarre. I've never seen that in my life, except for in this movie. <laughs> First of all, in that scene, the cop is looking for handouts as well. Yep. The cop is looking for free Christmas trees. Uh... <laughs> and the other guy's like, I paid for mine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This movie does not make cops look good. <laughs> no, I say this movie has an accurate portrayal of cops. <laughs> I didn't say it was inaccurate. <laughs> um, I love Pete. Pete is Corey a kid that has a, Yeah, that's the energy of a 40-year-old tired man. <laughs> <laughs> like a little bit of kid come through every once in a while, but like even after seeing the Mogwai, like even after seeing the fantastical parts, like when he realized he can't have one, and B, they're not that friendly, just like oh well, he just goes yeah, back the to second the one of them like snaps at yeah. him because he's trying to yeah. like poke him. Uh, he's just like yeah. I'm done, and he just lays back yeah. on the bed. And he's like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He even humor Billy, who's much older than him. He, he, Billy's like, isn't it amazing? He's like, yeah, sure, man. Like, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's he great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His little 3D glasses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Let's talk about the introduction of Gizmo, the Mogwai, to the mostly realistic world of this town it's so bizarre um in that the way everybody reacts to him is yeah. like yeah he's it's a little, insane it's, it's completely <laughs> they're just like okay this is a thing that exists yeah what <laughs> like nobody asked what kind of animal is it like they could have put in a line about like i don't know like it must be some sort of foreign animal no they did like nobody's <laughs> like this. he's like this is a mogwai he's like cool mogwai and yeah, at one point, like talk. Billy, Billy decides that it's 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 a little weird. So maybe he should just take it to his high school science teacher. Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> and this high school science teacher, instead of like you know finding out what the hell this thing is, he just keeps it in his in his classroom and you know 
takes some blood and then leaves. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> is he like running blood tests in his classroom, his high school classroom? What the hell? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Uh, and who leaves I, half I, a sandwich I, just sitting there? Really? <laughs> this is this is very like 80-90s movie concept of science, though. Like that's what the Stranger Things uh, uh, copy and parody a little bit as well. Like where yeah. it's just, as long as somebody is like a science teacher or a scientist or a doctor, they can do whatever science the plot requires them to. Right? <laughs> and I love that you never actually see him teaching. All he does is like show some stupid. You know, like old like uh like like newsreel footage kind of thing of like yeah. of a heart like educational video yeah <laughs> that's all he does well, but to be fair this is right before christmas break so maybe like you know they don't have anything else to do at that point <laughs> i don't think i don't even think there's an educational video i think that's a clip from an old horror movie like i think, think that's so? a clip of somebody doing science in an old horror movie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> knowing the director who is Joe Dante and his tastes, I would not be surprised if that's some obscure <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> you you might be onto something there. I'd have to look it up. <laughs> uh, uh, it really reminds me of Lilo and Stitch. Like <laughs> the the characters in this movie doesn't even do the uh, intellectual legwork the animated people in Lilo and Stitch did about this weird <laughs> creature. At least in Lilo and Stitch, they're like. What kind of dog is this? <laughs> and the pilot on this side, I don't know. I think it. We think it's a koala. <laughs> but here, nobody asks what this is. Like they just accept it. And also, can I mention Gizmo talks? Gizmo yeah, it's a talking animal. This is kind of it's kind of a big deal, people. <laughs> he yell, he yell bright light. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, how cute. <laughs> It's not a parrot. <laughs> What's with this town? Is there something in the water? Know. These people are weird. <laughs> uh, okay, so... <laughs> okay. But yeah, like, even the, even the fact that, like, they reproduce because they get wet and they bud, and nobody's, like, that defies all known laws of nature and physics. <laughs> Nobody cares. They're just like, oh, that's neat. That's weird. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Gizmo is clearly not having a good time after no. he's all wet. He's very but sad. They're really, really entirely distracted by the the new um, gremlin stripe in his gang. Yeah, yeah. his by first the way, gang, the ones that get completely slaughtered by his mother, by Billy's sure. mom. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, so you have, according to your notes, you have some stuff to say about the gremlin rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Going back to that whole thing about consumerism being the destruction of Christmas, um, the whole the 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 bit the most important rule about the Mogwai is not to feed them after midnight. Which okay, yeah. that doesn't make a damn bit of sense, but whatever. Yeah. It's the literal act of consumption that turns this cute little creature into a monster. It, it, it I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> It's true, but there's three right, three rules. There's right? three rules uh, like uh, don't yeah. get it, like bright lights bad, sunlight will kill yep. it, and the second rule is don't get it wet, and the third rule is uh, don't feed it after midnight. Yep. Which midnight uh, according to whom? Like like what time zone does that matter? So, yeah, Daylight what, savings what, time. What, <laughs> what time is it? What where is that town? Do you, do we know where it is? Like is it Chicago? Uh, probably somewhere in that area. So it would be Central Time. Yeah. Okay, so do you, do we know the time difference between Central Time and Time in China? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. 
<laughs> There's lots of time zones in China. Uh, okay, okay, let's let's go with Beijing. CST to Beijing. Uh, okay, so midnight in CST would be 1 p.m. in <laughs> Beijing. 1 p.m. Okay. in Beijing the day after. So how does that work? Does, does, <laughs> does Gizmo know which time zone they in? <laughs> <laughs> It's and got a also, very accurate biological clock, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I feel like they also need to tell us when you can start feeding them again. Right, Anytime yeah. Anytime like... after midnight. <laughs> exactly. So what, what, like, when can you start feeding them again? And also, Gizmo never drink water? Yeah. like <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> because they straight up said, don't give it water, don't bathe it. Like, they straight up said, don't give it water. So, like, it's a creature that just <laughs> lives without water? That's bizarre. That doesn't make any sense. And it has blood, so you know it needs water somehow. <laughs> uh, not only these rules are already uh, uh, how how they how they become more mogwai and then turn into gremlin is already confusing enough. But I'm pretty sure they completely undermine the process that happened in the first movie. In the second movie, I think in the second movie they spawn straight as gremlins. If I'm remembering correctly, they completely bypass the Mogwai stage. I'm I don't remember. Sure. I mean, it, maybe they streamlined it just for the sake of the movie because that movie's batshit <laughs> insane. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and even uh, in this movie, like if they're already a gremlin and then they get wet, they just make more gremlins. They don't make more Mogwai. It's only yeah. when a Mogwai gets wet that you get more Mogwai. True. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am going to have to uh, uh, break to you something that people might not like. I'm very pro-Gremlin in this movie. I'm on the Gremlin side. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't see it, but his... Uh... His little uh, uh, label under him is like we're basically in a Zoom call, and he's his name tag is Stripe did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, he's kind of got a point. <laughs> like, think about Stripe. Think about all the things that Stripe does in the movie. Um, in the beginning, Stripe doesn't do anything. Like, yeah, he. Um, he kind of leads the other Mogwai and they're kind of dicks, especially to, yeah. to, uh, Gizmo. Yeah. Um, but, and then they have this plan to, to get fed after midnight to turn into gremlins, it, which is probably like a biological imperative, right? It's the um, metamorphosis. Who right. are we to stop, stop a uh, Mogwai to reaching their f <laughs> uh, full potential? <laughs> and then once all the other gremlins start attacking people, you never see Stripe attack anyone. Like he stands, he's he's like on the windowsill and he's watching as Billy's mom just goes fucking Rambo on all these other gremlins, and he he hightails it out of there like like you would, right? And he immediately goes and makes him makes more of himself at the YMCA, right? Um, makes more <laughs> gremlins, and then all of those gremlins get genocided, and then he gets mad and finally starts attacking Billy. I don't think that's unfair. <laughs> okay, I. I'm pretty sure he pulled a gun on somebody before the final act. <laughs> but no, even, he does. Yeah. He pulls a gun on on Gizmo at the end. Yeah, but um, there is another in, in gremlin the end, that pulls. But... There's another. Oh, okay. There's another hit. gremlin okay. who. No, it's not him. Okay. There's a. There's a gremlin who's in like a. He's got like a bandit mask, like a baklava. Yeah. Balaclava. Balaclava, not a baklava. <laughs> not a delicious pastry. <laughs> <just> <laughs> And yeah, he's the one who pulls the gun. He pulls the gun on Phoebe Cates. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of hate this town. Uh, first of all, okay, this town, uh, 
it's this is kind of refreshing because I really hate this trend in especially in the sacred Christmasing movies in the 80s, 90s and Hallmark's movies now about how uh, small towns are just paradise. Somebody who <laughs> as somebody who lived in a lot of small towns, the the gremlin portrayal of small town people is a lot more closer <laughs> to the truth than the fucking Hallmark movie where everybody is sexy lumberjacks <laughs> and people are super nice to each other. Yeah, on the surface, maybe like they might they might bring you pastries every second week, but they'll still fucking bully your kid if they were gay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what small town spirit is about. I mentioned the director, Joe Dante. He also made The Burbs, which is, you know, yeah, a dark undercurrent of suburbia. So, yeah. 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 (laughs) Australia especially have a great love for little Aussie, they call them Aussie battlers in small towns. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, gay kids inside range in small towns are very high, very nice. No, I mean, like, uh, uh, America's exactly the same. We, like, romanticize small towns. And as somebody who lives, like, in a suburb of St. Louis, and this is fucking Trump country. This is these these people are not. I mean, yeah, they're nice on the outside, but they got some problems deep down, deep within. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, New Yorkers will tell you to get the fuck out of the pa- get the fuck off of the pavement, but they're not going to conspire to <laughs> exclude you from like the neighborhood. <laughs> they don't have the fucking time. <laughs> they have to go to work, and you're on the pavement. <laughs> There's something honest about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I could I could do a whole rant against Hallmark's movies, but we'll <laughs> probably save that for another time. <laughs> I am not watching Hallmark movies for this podcast, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a there's a whole branch of Hallmark movies, kind of like uh, very subtly justifying super Republican ideologies that <laughs> that I'm not comfortable with. That I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> but uh, to be clear, I, I I I actually do like small towns. I do think that they have problems. I don't think they should be romanticized, but I hate big cities. It's more about hating big cities than loving small towns. <laughs> fair. Um, I love big cities, I, but I also... No, big cities have problems. I like just, visiting I love, big cities. I could never live in one. <laughs> oh, really? I I love living in the CBD. Like I I want to like I want to live in Tokyo. I want to live, live in, in cannabinoid oil. What the hell? <laughs> the CBD? <laughs> oh, Central District, Central Business District. Ah, uh, okay. That's what that's what it. we call downtown sometimes. Yes. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that was that was new to me. <laughs> Um, also, uh, because it's a holiday town, uh, holiday time, I do want to, uh, give people a quick PSA. If you're a rich, successful, um, single businesswoman, uh, going home for the holidays, do not fall for the man in the lumberjack outfit. Um, he is just jealous because you got the fuck out of there and he didn't. Like, his charms will... uh, and after the honeymoon period, do not give up on your drinks and, and move back to your hometown. The only people who dress like that are serial killers, okay? It's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> He's burying bodies out in those woods. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's talk about gremlins again. <laughs> oh, and... Um, <laughs> 
I'm glad you wrote this down because I thought that was very weird as well. Uh, because Miss Mrs. Deagle is also hounding um, Billy's father. Uh, he straight out called him a loser about rent as well. Like right, right, you know, yeah, yeah, landlord parasite. Um, their house is huge. <laughs> They are fucking they're drowning in money. Like, I don't understand <laughs> it. And you, it's very clear he's a terrible inventor. It's a running joke yep. throughout the movie that yep. nothing he makes works. Yep. So how are they affording this? The white the the mom doesn't have a job. The mom's a stay at home mom. Billy doesn't really have. I mean, he works at the bank. He's not making more than you know maybe a couple bucks over minimum wage. So what yep. the hell? <laughs> How are they affording yep. this giant house that has a basement and it's upstairs attic room and what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it looked like a, it looked like at least a four four banner. Yeah, like, housing you... was more affordable in the eighties, but not that affordable. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you're struggling, even if housing is affordable, clearly you need to downsize. Right? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I think the. The whole setup of uh, Billy's father and his situation about how terrible and it's a uh, terrible uh, inventor he is, I think is a little bit of a poking fun at the American dream. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think, the, yeah, yeah. Continue. I think it is about the. I think it's making fun of the idea that any man with the right idea and a plucky go get him attitude and uh, insistence can make it big and. It's making fun of that idea. Like Billy's dad is clearly a good dude, and he he have ideas. I don't know if they're good ideas. I think he's a he's a man with solutions in search of problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what an inventor is. But like, I think I think what it is 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 he's a good guy and he has ideas that like yeah. if he's clearly if hardworking. He's he had slacking. help if he had like somebody who could help him. And you know, market his ideas and 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 perfect his ideas. Then he could, you know, he could be successeful. But he doesn't have that, and yet still he has this house <laughs> and <laughs> is able I to like is just making... burn two hundred dollars at the China yeah. store. You know, yeah, I think it's, it's making fun of the idea that like you know, if you put your mind to it, anything could work. Like, and his he might he might as well be Homer Simpson. Like he's just he's just, <laughs> just not working out for him. <laughs> And it's ironic. I'm also but... like at the same time I'm working on the on a video on Superman the movie, and I'm making the exact opposite point about that movie <laughs> about the American Dream. So yeah. Oh yeah, like I mean, Superman is supposed to be. He's a representation of that ideal of, the, the... American Dream. Yeah, oh shucks, yeah. morality and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know he's supposed to be heartwarming, and no matter what Zack Snyder say or think, <laughs> that's what that's what Superman is supposed to be about. He's not supposed to be about Jesus metaphors. I only mentioned Zack Snyder once in my video, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you didn't want me to contribute to this video because <laughs> that count will go right up <laughs> super excited for superman legacy by the way yeah me too it looks good david Corrin sweat looked apart and he's bulking up and i like his new i like all these new cars that are being announced it's now being confirmed that what's his face is uh lex luther uh, beast uh, i can't remember the actor's name um yeah the kid from about a boy <laughs> mad max and uh yeah uh, Ren uh renfield did that guy uh nicholas holt nicholas holt thank you yeah he's great i love him i can't wait for his uh legs uh, and 
they casted Jimmy Jimmy Olsen uh, with the most Jimmy Olsen looking motherfucker <laughs> ever. Do <laughs> uh, you see him? He's the kid no, from. I He's the kid from uh, Santa Clarita Diet. He's the neighbor's kid from Santa Clarita Diet. I can kind of picture him. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. That sounds good. And I, yeah, I, like, I kind of do trust Jump James Gunn. Like he's he's never done me wrong yet. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that aside, yeah. Um, off topic. This, <laughs> off topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, why do the Gremlins love? Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> I have a theory. It's a dark I, theory. I think it's just that they're like a you know a, a personification of the evil evils of consumerism, and it doesn't get more evil consumerism than Disney. So, <laughs> so my theory is that I think this is a very deep cut joke about Hitler. Did you know this about I'm sorry, Hitler loving Snow White? Yeah. Did you, know, did you know? Did you know this about like? Oh, I know Hitler a lot about Disney and Snow Hitler. White. Yeah, 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 and like no, but Snow White in particular. He's he's apparently it's one of his favorite films, and he kept a copy in his private library. Like I think it's supposed to be like uh, because Hitler loves Snow White, the Nazis love Snow White, right? Because they 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 supposed to love. So her. is that why all the right wingers are butthurt about Rachel Zegler saying bad things about the original Snow White? Is that it? That makes so they much sense don't... now. They probably didn't even connect the dots, but Snow White is like about physical purity and stuff, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and the idea of casting, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go there. <sighs> what really you, annoys me? <laughs> yes, fucking neurotic. Uh, what really annoyed me is I'm not pro Disney remaking the animated movies with live actions but i also don't want to now i don't want to speak out against it because i don't want to lend my voice to these terrible racists who are just <laughs> screaming about black people being cast in roles and i'm like wee, wee. Yeah. and i'm caught in a catch-22 between the, the worst capitalist machine and the literal nazis <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel you. I've, I've been stuck there in a, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, did, dear audience, did I mention this is our Christmas episode? <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, but no, I also I, I think I think a lot of it also has to do with uh, this was produced by Steven Spielberg, and Spielberg and Disney have beef, like serious serious beef. So it might have been like a deep cut there too. <laughs> To be fair, uh, yes, that that's true. But to be fair, Spielberg also have a lot of beefs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he uh, he really doesn't like Nazis either. So you know, there's that's that. True. <laughs> that's true. There is that. So I think it might be. Yeah, I think it. I think that's the. I think joke. there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, okay. Jokes I make about gremlins doing nothing wrong aside, like the gremlins are supposed to be a destructive force of this movie, but they yeah, are also like clearly yeah. mischievous, right? Like the crimes they're doing are funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way they kill Mrs. Deagle. It's like one of the best parts of the movie. Yep. She, she's got like the thing that you you slide down a, a staircase with. Um, I yeah. can't remember what it's called. It's like a mobility thing, and yeah, they they short circuit it so that she when she sits on it and tries to go back up the stairs, it goes at like ridiculous speeds and throws her out the window and she flies across the street and lands, you know, um, in a tree or something. It's, it's, it's goofy. It's cartoonish. It, 
but it's also hysterical. I love it. <laughs> she got off easy. She did. She should have suffered more. She should have gone into the dryer. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I want a Chekhov's dryer. They should have put her in the dryer. <laughs> Who threatened the dog like that? I don't know, man. It's fucked up. Well, she's obviously a cat person. She's got like 50 million cats in her house. <laughs> uh, they, they have weird names as well. Like They have like weirdly classical like roman names did you notice that i did i did notice that it's very strange <laughs> she's a very odd woman <laughs> may yep. she burn in hell <laughs> and at no point did anybody ever mourn mrs deagle the yeah the cops the at one point just look at it like oh i think that was mrs deagle anyway <laughs> yeah they probably like, oh, finally, the town's housing crisis is solved. <laughs> Let this be a lesson. What was that? <laughs> when the revolution comes, you'll be first in the trees. <laughs> uh, and then immediately see, after that, while they're in the car, in the, in the street, like the cops, um, these two buffoons who barely processing what's happening they they see santa claus running towards the cop car for help because he's covered in gremlins that are like mauling him to death and he's trying to get to the cops to help and they just like roll up their window like uh anyway let's go let's leave <laughs> what the fuck let's not forget about the let's not forget about the uh background uh, conversation the cops are having of um, the deputy wanting to drive, and uh, and he's drunk. He's drunk. <laughs> um, and but the sheriff reason for not be, not letting him drive is not because he's drunk. He's like, I'm the sheriff. I get to drive. <laughs> this is the same sheriff who wanted like you know free Christmas free, trees, free yeah. Christmas tree for the station. It's a station that have two cops, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also like. Uh, Billy goes there telling them about Gremlin, which, to be fair, is an unbelievable story. But they don't even connect the dots when they see the Gremlin. <laughs> and they never you know? mention it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we talk about how badass Billy's mom is? It's hardcore. Like, she kills so many Gremlins in such a I know. short span of time. <laughs> like, she goes from realizing that Gremlins are a problem to stabbing one to death in the spam of like 30 <laughs> seconds. Like shades of Ellen Ripley right there. That woman, my favorite scene is she 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 stabbed one to death. She microwave one. The microwave then, one it just blows my mind. And then she immediately planned ahead. She pulls a knife. She starts to step away. She turns back, pull another knife. Another one, like she becomes a <laughs> slasher villain. It's great. <laughs> Uh, for whatever failures Billy's dad might have, he chose the right woman. <laughs> and even Billy gets one good badass kill, like when when his mom is being overtaken by the the gremlin in the Christmas tree. He just like grabs the the sword, like Chekhov's sword from the wall, and beheads yeah. the fucking gremlin, yes. and the into the head the flies into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, God, I love this. And movie. I also like. I also like the touch that he yells first. His mother sees him with the sword and it could immediately duck. Yeah, she that's, knows that's the good symbol. The signal. Communication. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they she clearly rehearsed this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
Let's talk about uh, sorry, I lost my. So let's talk about uh, Billy's little budding relationship with Kate. Uh, the, the one thing I do like about uh, the sequel, though, they together in the sequel. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> uh, which is nice because they have real chemistry in this, even from the beginning scene where like he borrows the pants and they look at each other, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like this is a good vibe going between these two actors. Uh, she's great. Uh, she's you know. Uh, they build her, there's not too much to her character, but they build her in subtle ways, like how she hates Gerald quite clearly. <laughs> yeah, like that. Uh, and how she's, she hates Mrs. Deagle. I also like that. And then there's a moment in the film that if you're a kid who watched this movie as a child, it this is probably at this least is, a couple of sessions of therapy. <laughs> it's the most disturbing when, thing in a movie where you see a gremlin get microwaved until it explodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. For people who haven't seen it, I know some people listen to our podcast without watching the movies, which is totally fair. It's fine. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, it is set up a little bit in advance. Like yep. uh, Phoebe Cates does say she doesn't celebrate Christmas, and when she Billy presses her presses her as to why she she flips out on him a little bit. Like she's yep. like, "Geez, you say you don't like Christmas, and people freak out." And then she yep. she later she does apologize and blah blah blah. But well, there's obviously something apologized. there. Yeah. there. There's something yeah. weird going on there. And then later, Actually, sorry, can I interrupt to say that the exact line she says is, "If you say you don't celebrate Washington's birthday or uh, like." Another holiday, like Independence Day or whatever. Uh, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Thanksgiving. And uh, people are fine with it. I, no, not in the current political climate. <laughs> if, if you say you, if you say you don't celebrate either of those days, people are not going to be fine with it currently. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think people celebrate Washington's birthday anymore. I don't even know what time of year that is. Um, but there has been a lot with thanksgiving and trying to like change it to indigenous people's day and all that stuff and people freaking out about that so yeah, yeah. you're right <laughs> yep. uh, same here in australia with um australia day which currently uh, is set to where uh freaking captain cook is supposed to have landed in australia or something where you know that's the date kind of the date where indigenous people got their land stolen. So <laughs> not the best date. And uh, yeah, there's a big pushback as well. And also they only made that into a public holiday in 1994 anyway. So it's not even like a giant history of it. That's so, ridiculous, yes. Like, people are just being fucking dicks. And, uh, you know, and, and the government is being chicken shit. they like, oh, uh, it's hard to change public holidays. Like it's hard to uh, make new holidays. Uh, and then last oh, it year... Isn't. Yeah, last year when the queen fucking died, we got an Easter holiday for no reason. <laughs> but anyway, I did digress. Uh, let's Man, don't don't let him fool in. you. I saw before the the podcast. He's he's a legit flag wearing, uh, flag waving Australian. Oh yeah, That's right. I found it. I found an Australian flag in the recording room for some reason. <laughs> See, he's a flag waving, proud Australian nationalist. Oh, hey, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, let's uh, tell me about this horrifying oh, God. story. This did disturb the shit out of me as a kid. Um, eventually, she opens up and she trauma dumps on Billy in yep. the midst of the chaos. Like they they hole yep. up in the Which bank, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
and it's been half destroyed and there's there's no lights um and so and the camera goes all tilted on you as she starts to talk and starts to relate this story of how when she was a kid her father um was gonna surprise them at christmas um but he never showed up and she and days passed and like christmas passed and um eventually they noticed a smell coming from the fireplace well, and she noticed because she started she tried to start a fire right she was trying to start a fire and yeah. she noticed the smell um and it, long story short her dad is in the chimney dead because he tried to come down in a santa costume on christmas eve and and broke his neck and died um yep it's horrible. That is awful. That is the worst thing ever. And he yeah. was trying and he had like a big bag of presents and that's why he got stuck. Yeah. Because consumerism yeah. has destroyed the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and the idea is that it's performative as well, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like she he couldn't be just with the family, but he had to he wanted to do um, the bells and whistle that has been added to Christmas from consumerism, by the way. Santa of course, Claus in current yep. iteration is made up by Coca Cola. Absolutely, who doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like the way Santa Claus looks like. The reason you wear red is because that's Coca Cola's color. <laughs> He's a Coca Cola mascot. <laughs> um, yeah, in trying to deliver the ideal uh notion of christmas sold by the norman Kevin rockwell Williams. version got yeah. their life ruined <laughs> yep that's what Ooh. this movie does man it subverts all of that it's it's all about how that norman rockwell american perception of christmas is just evil <laughs> i love it <laughs> this is the greatest christmas i forgot about that story like i forgot about uh, the Santa you mean Claus repressed story. Like, as soon as she started talking about it yeah, I think that's what it is. As soon as she started talking about it, it all flushed, came flushing back. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is not the thing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, horrifying. Can you imagine? Oh, and, like, and, and wait, wait. The last line of the story. The very last line of that story yep. that she tells after she describes his her father being dragged out of the chimney by a crane. And like, then she says... And that's when I learned that Santa isn't real. <laughs> I fucking love the writing. That's great. <laughs> this movie was definitely marketed as a Christmas movie. Oh, absolutely. That yeah, yeah. Children's can't watch. <laughs> I saw it as a kid. I saw it in theaters as a kid. I was way too young, probably. I don't know, but I saw a lot of movies when I was way too young because it was the 80s. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this movie is definitely what this meme I saw recently was referencing. <laughs> this type of movie is definitely what this meme I saw currently was re referencing. It says, damn girl, are you a kid's movie from my generation? Because you're fun and cute, but also horrifying in many ways I didn't originally realize. <laughs> very true. <laughs> That's what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, I have like very vivid memories of my childhood from like reading little picture books of gremlins like telling the story of gremlins even like down to the one gremlin getting destroyed in the food processor like the open food processor yeah like i remember all of that in like detail in like a picture book like a disney sty style picture book <laughs> and yep. i was like maybe five i don't know <laughs> 
And like some of the shots uh, were like genuinely terrifying. Like when the gremlins are trying to kill people, it's mostly like made for laugh. Uh, but like the scene where Stripe fall into the pool and the ominous bubbling, and he's That's just kind of screaming underwater. As yeah, well and as everything goes all stroby and shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. By the way, this movie definitely abused the smoke machine. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely, especially abused, that scene in particular. Uh, dry ice. Yeah, <laughs> and in the, and like, the very end too. <laughs> uh, is the science teacher dead? How many people yes. die in this movie? A lot. A lot of people die in this movie. We're trying to brush over it. <laughs> Including Santa, by the way. Santa is killed. Um, yep. Santa dies. Mr. The two Fetterman cops, and his wife died. Mr. Fetterman and his wife. Um, not to be confused with the senator from Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, the cops, the two cops die. Mrs. Deagle dies, but Mrs. Deagle's not really human anyway. Uh, I mean, the two cops, not a great loss either. <laughs> uh, that's true. Good point. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other people you actually see die on screen. The The science teacher is dead for sure. I mean, he might be alive, but I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um, yeah, like, Billy doesn't, like, call the ambulance or anything. He just kind of run off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's all you really see die. Yeah, but that's still it's still a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And it is it's implied all, that you see it is implied that a lot of people died off screen because there's all kinds of chaos. Yep, it is. There's a lot of death for the mood they conclude this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's everything's fine. Everything's hunky dory, and they're having a happy Christmas, and and they get visited by the Chinatown shopkeeper guy. <laughs> you know, and it's all nice and warm and happy, and you know, half their town is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, and. That Chinese man definitely sum up the uh, theme of the movie as well. In case you missed it, it's like you you have destroyed the gift of Mogwai, like the way you destroy all of nature's gift. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate the sentiment. He's right about the criticism. He's clearly making of capitalism and America in general, but I. I do reject the idea that the, the Mogwai is a gift of nature. I like Gizmo. He's cute. But he offered nothing except potential massive danger if you if you fail to follow these very difficult rules. Exactly. What kind of fucking gift is this? <laughs> and you find out in part two that Gizmo is himself kind of a badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Although he does kind of kill Stripe in this movie. He, he does kind of yeah, he, win he did, he did in have, the end. He had a little, a little stunt with a car. Yeah. 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 Uh, Gizmo Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> Gizmo Kaka. Gizmo. Uh, Kaka is just shit, right? That's, yeah, yeah. It's that's... just a swear word, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> the Gremlins are just swearing constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, let's not forget the fact that the Final Five is in a department store. In know? a department store, of course. I didn't yeah, mention yeah, that yeah. yet. Yeah. In the old tradition of... Um, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Any movie that uh, criticizes capitalism has to have a fight scene in a department store. Uh, and they really use that department store. I mean, at one point, Stripe is like attacking Billy with a chainsaw while Billy's trying to hold him off with a baseball bat in the sporting goods section. And that's where Stripe grabs a gun, a loaded gun, in the sporting goods section. Yeah. God, I love America. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
I've been recently rewatching Brooklyn Nine Nine and that scene where they undercover, they not undercover, they are like uh, on witness protection and they they like, oh, we need guns to do a raid. <laughs> uh, we have fake identity, so like we might have to bribe like. Um, the clock to get guns, and then they just go in, and he's like, "I'm gonna see you. Need to see your license." He's like, "Oh, I forgot it in the car." And he's like, "Oh, that's okay. The registration system is down anyway." <laughs> Wink. Do you want your bullets by the buckets? <laughs> and um, and the main character is like, "Oh, cool, cool, cool. Our country is deeply broken. Cool, 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 cool." <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love yep. it. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, striking the badass with his little revolver, just like firing from the. <laughs> he's like hanging from the the fountain, and he's he's about to start like budding more gremlins. And yeah, he's got yeah. the gun in one hand, and he's holding onto the fountain with the other hand. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> gizmo, caca, bang, bang. You know. <laughs> so before we conclude, uh, the one thing I do want to discuss is: what do you think of the character of Billy itself? I feel like the actor does a lot with not much, right? Like, Billy is kind of more like a quintessential pork-fishing good guy. Like, he's like Tintin. He's just a yeah, really he's nice a very... dude that's good at a lot of things. You know? He's very vanilla, yeah. Um, yeah. He feels like he's out of a 50s movie more than an 80s movie. Like, yeah. he feels like, you know, a, a neighbor of Beaver, Leave it to Beaver or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I like it for what it is. I mean, it's kind of part of that whole parable, fable aspect of the yeah. movie. Um, yeah. I think that's appropriate. This is like all yeah. I know him from. The actor's name is like Zach something. And it's this in Gremlins 2. That's all I know of. <laughs> so. He also ground the movie because all the other characters, some of them like Mrs. 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 Deagle and like Deagle and Mr. Mr. Fetterman. Fetterman, yeah, they're all, all hyper exaggerated. Yeah, right. Yeah, even even his father to an extent is hyper exaggerated. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything to wrap up about Gremlins? No, I mean Robbie the robot's in it, but that's obvious. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I like this movie. This is like a Christmas movie that is clearly stealth. Anti Christmas movie, I love it. <laughs> Even as as much of a of a of a filthy, rotten capitalist as I am, I've always loved this movie. It's always been one of my favorite Christmas movies, and I will always love this. Like absolutely. <laughs> and one day we should do an episode on Gremlins too, because holy shit, that movie. <laughs> yeah, Gremlins two is a completely different movie. Like it has none <laughs> of the heart or the the innate satire of this movie. Gremlins two is just. There's one reason for Gremlin to exist in, and that's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever have a movie had cocaine energy more than Gremlin 2. <laughs> you are so right, sir. <laughs> uh, I, okay, one other movie. The Super Mario Brothers movie is also another movie that has giant cocaine energy. Yes, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, so uh, if you have, hopefully this is coming out right before or on Christmas Day. <laughs> Look, I like to think so far we have captured the real, true uh, meaning of Christmas in that we vaguely talk about Christmas and then it get oddly political. And <laughs> that's why people turn into. That's what the denizens of this heap expect from us now. Yes. 
<laughs> so you know, if you want an excuse to uh, <laughs> not talk to your extended family or that weird uncle that's telling you about some such a conspiracy theories about Rothschilds or whatever, maybe just put on Gremlins and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and then amuse yourself with the fact that your oh your crazy uncle actually likes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then just tell them uh, how much of a criticism of capitalism this movie is. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we have so much entertainment to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Our cup runneth over. We're excited, super excited to talk about what we've been watching and the trailers. We're excited about and stuff. So don't go anywhere. See you after the break. Welcome back. Uh, we're back to talk about a bunch of things you could and should be binging in, on this over this Christmas holiday. Uh, Entertainment Cup run is over. But before that, uh, we also want to talk about uh, a couple of trailers we've seen and things we're excited that will come out in, in the next few months, in the new year, you know, 2024. Entertainment is looking good. You know, like, uh, Eric is super excited about Halo Season 2 right around the corner. Please stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay that trailer is not good but it's better than the the first season that we got like <laughs> that's not saying much but i mean like i don't know it's still but really you know generic what? and kind of annoying. oh yeah yeah but, but at least like that funny. kid's not in it <laughs> oh i bet she'll come back <laughs> oh she'll be in the show i'm sure but she's not in the trailer <laughs> it kind of like the first most of that trailer kind of reminds me of those live action trailers they used to do for Halo back like yeah. way back from like Halo 2 and Halo 3 and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. It it doesn't make me like it doesn't get me in the mood to watch a narrative about Halo. It got me in the mood to go fight Play the covenant. Halo. <laughs> <laughs> um a couple of things. <laughs> it was almost like, and it, it keeps saying, "Remember, remember," just like so that you remember you used to like Halo. <laughs> yeah, it looked like they're finally doing Fall of Reach, which is good. Yeah, Fall of Reach is dramatically what, a very good idea. That's, that's what, what season one should have been. One should have been. And also, this is heavy, very heavily implied that we're still not going to make it to the Halo. <sighs> But they showed it at the very end. Yeah, it, it's going to end with the Halo, just like just like yeah. we thought season one was going to end. Yeah, well, technically it does. It did end with the Halo. It was kind of. <laughs> also, oh. um, why does Cortana still look like ass? I don't know. She like I think she even looked worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about some other trailers. Before that, you know, there are certain points, certain facts in um, human history that make you look at it and go, this, this make me lose a little bit of faith in humanity as a whole. Because we, <laughs> as a race, should not have let it happen. We should, not, we should not have let it get to this stage. At some point, somebody should have stood up and say, hey, no, enough. Stop. No more. And certain things eventualizing because somebody nobody caught up and do that like things like you know creation of the atom bomb or napalm you know that that's the kind of thing that make you go 
Somebody should have said something. And that's what I feel about the Madam Web trailer. <laughs> it's all it, it, it's all Tom Hardy's fault. I mean, <laughs> Venom made so much fucking money. <laughs> and now Sony doesn't think they can do anything wrong. They, they just think that this is a great idea. This whole Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. All of the villains are going to be misunderstood heroes. And What is happening? <laughs> are they even misunderstood heroes? Because some no. of them are just douchebags like Morbius. <laughs> and Morbius gets memed into oblivion. And because of that, it actually winds up making a profit in the long run. So, like, I think at this point, after watching this trailer that we're about to talk about, the Madam Web yep. trailer, I can only conclude that Sony has decided to just lean into it, to just make terrible movies so that people will go see them and talk about them because they're so terrible. That's all I can conclude. <laughs> That's how they're well, going to make you, money. If you, if you want to make terrible movies, hiring Dakota Johnson is a start. Exactly. <laughs> Why else would they cast Dakota Johnson? <laughs> um... I'll I'll give you one thing though. Like I am very impressed with Sony's ability to not flinch in the <laughs> face of failure. Because like the the if there's anything, well, there are a thousand things wrong with the DCEU, and one of the big headliners be, being handing the rain over to Zack Snyder's. But if there's another thing that is wrong with DCEU, it was way too re reactionary in that, like, every time something lands differently than they expected, they, they react and change things. But nope, not Sony. Sony is on the other <laughs> end of the spectrum. Full steam they ahead. <laughs> they don't care if everybody from critics to children hates it. <laughs> they don't care if it makes almost no money. They're just like, nope, let's just keep doing it. Let's make a fucking movie about Craven the Hunter that love animals, and let's make a weird, um, like, clearly trying to cash in on things like the existence of things like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, but doesn't really actually have any Spider-Man characters people care about. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. This trailer makes me very excited for the movie. I want to watch because it looks so weirdly bad. But I mean, it's also like it's also not like predictable. Like it's so, this is so strange. Like I hate people who are just I hate people, movies that are just like super by the number, right? Like Morbius is Morbius. Yeah, like, I was about to say that. Strange. This just seemed like if you want to make a safe movie about this subject matter, they shouldn't have done this. <laughs> now I will I will give it a little bit of credit in that. Of all the Sony extended universe movies outside of the original yeah. Venom, this is probably the first one where I've seen the trailer and been like, yeah, I could probably have fun watching that. Like Craven, yeah. I have absolutely no interest in that fucking movie. Um, and even like the Venom sequel, Let There Be Carnage, I never saw it. I don't care. I don't want to see it. And Morbius looks like it looks like it came out in 1992 and was terrible then. You know, like <laughs> right next to uh, Shaquille O'Neal's Steel. You know that kind of shit. <laughs> oh, I love Shaquille O'Neal's Steel. It's a bad movie. I love. It's it. terrible. <laughs> they never explained why he's wearing a Superman symbol on his chest. Like they they never yeah, they even completely avoid it. the whole Superman thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. bizarre. It's so funny. And I'm like, do they not have the rights? No, it's a Warner Brothers movie. It's just they weird. have the rights. <laughs> let's make a movie um, that really exploits the whole death of Superman thing, which is really popular right now, but let's like not talk about Superman. In fact, yeah. let's change the backstory altogether. 
Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal and that guy from the Breakfast Club will be the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. That movie's bad shit. <laughs> the movie is bad shit. Uh, it it, it has like a wheelchair packed with weapons as well, right? Oh yeah, kind of. It is kind of ahead of its time in having a uh, differently able character who's badass. <laughs> the '90s were a weird time, man. Yeah, <laughs> they made like weapons of mass destruction or something, right? They, like something like that. They, I don't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, in years. are they secret engineers of death weapons? Uh, anyway, um, the Madam Web trailer. Um, the general gist seems to be uh, Madam Web is a person who just has the powers from next. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> she can sort of see the short-term future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ezekiel Sims is hunting down future spider people. Right. Um, and uh, Madam Web, as somebody who can see the future, is just running into these girls and saving them and uh, preventing their future. Teaming up. Right. But there's no Spider-Man in it. So how are these Spider-Men? What, what's happening? <laughs> how are they becoming Spider-People without a Spider-Man? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and Morlock... Morlock is... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ezekiel Sims' character is called Ezekiel Sims, but clearly playing, like, the role of, like, Morlock, because he's just hunting yep. down Spider-People. <laughs> uh, and he's dressed as evil Spider-Man. Like he's in a very pseudo Spider-Man suit, and but there are flashes of the other two Spider-Woman characters uh, in costume. But I have a feeling they are only going to be in that costume for the final battle. Yeah, for the like climax. Two, three yeah, yeah. And <laughs> for sure. I cannot wait to find out how they're gonna explain the costumes because <laughs> one of them have the 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 robot spider legs. You know that. Uh, uh, the Iron Spider suit, Iron Spider, spider, spider right, legs, right. Yeah, and yeah. the rest of the movie, this trailer, the rest of the um, universe in this movie, this trailer sets up. Give no explanation as to why that kind of tag would even exist. <laughs> <laughs> and the trailer, it, it, like, it's insane. It doesn't even give us a hint of why these people have spider powers, except the line. Oh, Ezekiel Sim, he was with my mom when she was spider she was <laughs> stunning spiders. spiders in the Amazon before, right before well, she right died. Before she died. <laughs> that is the clumsiest line I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm hoping they made that line just for the trailer, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think they've actually spliced together a few different lines, and that's why it sounds so clunky. But yeah, it's probably right. still not... I mean, even in full context, it probably still is kind of bad. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my theory for this movie, uh, like th- this movie's plot already, and we're going to revisit it when the movies come out and how much I got it. Oh, right. we're definitely going to watch this movie when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, what they're going to say is Ezekiel also have... Madam Web's powers, but stronger. And oh. the reason he's going around and trying to kill the spider people is because he can see further into the future, and he thinks the existence of spider people is going to attract Morlock into this universe. Morlock uh, is, uh, for people who don't know, it's he's the uh, reason behind the original Spider-Verse comic run and he's like that this vampire that feed on spider people <laughs> right uh, and 
if you're like, what do you mean spider people? Like people who are bitten by the radioactive spider? Yes, and kind of. This is why the original Spider-Verse comic is actually kind of shit. Because it ruins Peter Parker's Spider-Man character as a normal kid from Brooklyn uh, slash Queens that got bitten by spider into a person who's destined to be (laughs) given spider powers by a spider god and there are spider totems all across the multiverse yeah it's actually it's fucked up yeah <laughs> it's actually a story that ruins the very core of what makes spider you are absolutely correct yes <laughs> and they cut co- and they're coming into this story sideways half-assed <laughs> so i think that's what it's going to be i think they're gonna I think the Sinister Six universe, Spider-Man without Spider-Man universe, they're building. I think they're going to have Sinister Six as good guy heroes fighting the Spider-Verse invasion. And they're going to justify it as, because it's Morlock, that's the reason Spider-Man isn't in it. Because Morlock is the one that is going around killing all the Spider-Man, (laughs) Spider-People. I think this is the endgame plan. And if I'm right, this is going to be hilarious. They're planning because their own, they... like, Spider-Verse multiversal war, yeah. Without Spider-Man. Without Spider-Man, and of course. <laughs> if Sony's track record is any indication, they're just going to go full stream ahead and do this. No matter how many movies yeah. fail. And they're not going to flinch. I'm I mean, even so Kevin Feige it. flinched when What's-Her-Name was saying how, how this universe is still tied into the MCU. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And clearly, the reason, the way that they yanked Tom Hardy's Venom into the MCU for a second, make him leave behind a little bit of the symbiote, and then push him back into the separate universe, clearly shows how little MCU wants to do with the Sony's half-baked universe. Like, eventually, they're going to put a Spider-Man in it, right? Right? I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they also ruined their relationship with actors like Andrew Garfield so they're not going to be able to bring back Andrew Garfield for some fan service because they fired him unceremoniously because he didn't show up to uh, meet and greet with one of the <laughs> high ups like, did you I didn't hear that it? No, oh, this it, is new to me. It came out in the Sony email leaks like that was part of the reason Oh, okay, way back when Alright, okay Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is gonna be fucking interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk that much about this metal. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, that's that's why we're here. <laughs> uh, everything about this movie's uh, marketing is fucking hilarious. Have you seen the poster? I don't think so. No. So I just sent you two posters for this movie, and this is why. <laughs> like, <laughs> did Dr. Corinthian refuse to come back in for? <laughs> The poster, because I'll describe it to you. People just just look up Madam Web poster. And there's two posters floating around, and you're gonna be like, oh, the, like, oh, um, I can only find the fan made posters. Uh, where's the real one? Nope, those aren't fan made posters. You are looking at the real one because <laughs> the first poster is just Dakota Johnson looking at the camera, and there's like little spider webs badly drawn around her. She's smiling. Why? Like, that's not the tone of this poster. And if you think I'm nitpicking, it's more apparent in the second poster in which she made her, they made her face slightly smaller and for some reason, a bit more transparent. This is the main character of your movie. Why is your, her face transparent? And they acted, they added the, uh, the rest of the cast. Uh, and they're all frowning. Her. They're all <laughs> frowning and serious. And Dakota Johnson has this little wry smile like she's still in Fifty Shades of Grey. But... <laughs> 
but like it doesn't fit the tone of the trailer or like if you see this poster and and it looks photoshopped it really does it looks photoshopped within an inch of its life like you can even see some um some some um artifacts some digital artifacts artifacts. yep Yeah. yeah and uh Let's also remember this movie isn't called like Spider Woman. It's called Madam Web. And right. not a lot of people know what the fuck Madam Web is. If people saw this poster, they're going to be like, what? Uh, is this like a is this like a um, you know <laughs> like a thriller? Is this one of the you know sexy thrillers? Because they put Dakota Johnson in it. And the tagline is how web connects them all. <laughs> this this uh, this sounds like a tagline and the poster for a movie in which Dakota Johnson's character is having an affair with a bunch of college professors. Anyway, uh, let's move on to a trailer I slightly like more. Um, the Fallout trailer. You just watched it. What do you think? I mean, I I, I it looks right. Um, for, with the exception of the one guy uh, Goggins as the ghoul, he looks a little too smooth. Um, but other than that, like I, I think the 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 look they got the look of Fallout right, especially the the Bethesda version of Fallout. Um, I don't know why they put Todd Howard's name so prominent because the more I think about Todd Howard, the less I want to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> and also like the original Fallout still exists. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Todd, Todd Howard wasn't involved with Fallout One and Two at all, right? He's only came on. He's only Fallout done 3. Fallout Three, Fallout Four, and uh, New Vegas. Fallout Seventy Six. No, he wasn't involved in New Vegas actually. Oh, that's why New it's Vegas good. was done by um, the other studio, Black Obsidian <laughs> or whatever. So, like, all the really good Fallout games had nothing to do with Todd Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, Fallout Three was like, Fallout Three was solid, a, but Fallout New yeah, Vegas that's, is so that's much the reason better. it came back as a franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the one thing I like about it is like I. I worry that it might be a serious movie, like uh, especially if we like, already there, have a. There does seem to be a, a goofier tone in the trailer. No, no that's like what I mean. Tra- like before the trailer, oh, I was okay. worried that it is going to be a more serious uh, Fallout show because we already have a serious Fallout show, and it's called the, the one we did with the vault in it. Oh, Silo. Silo. <laughs> we already have a serious Fallout show, and it's called Silo, and, and it's, it's lovely, excellent, and, and nothing can compete one. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this one seems like it's going to keep that irreverent, slightly weird humor of the Fallout uh, universe uh, because it does have a couple of moments in which like people are just acting strange. Uh, You've got one uh, girl who's got like a knife in her eye, like sticking yeah. into her brain and she's shooting a yeah. minigun. I mean, yeah. that's Fallout. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> and like, there's a scene where like a character who's clearly supposed to be like an NPC giving exposition to the main character and the main character is not concentrating because she's just looking off camera to dog meat killing a <laughs> giant crockroach right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like like this is what i want like I, I there's a weird cyclope that's like drinking from a moldy cup I, like okay this is what i want from a fallout movie like this is I, i'm enjoying it and they're clearly bringing in like the iconic elements of it as well because we see a bunch of people in brotherhood armor and yep they didn't over design it they didn't redesign it it looked like brotherhood armor but it looked like something that could exist in real life mm-hmm. um we see vertebrates. 
uh, things like that. Uh, yeah, and all the like basic designs are Vault. essentially the same. Like they haven't yep. changed anything drastically. Yep. We see a pit boy. Uh, red roaches look like red roaches. Uh, we haven't seen any death claws yet, and I imagine they're gonna keep that those kind of elements. Yeah, for I think later. they're saving that. We, Yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw the bear. Like they have a Chinese name. Of the 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 radiator. I can't remember, bears. but yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Um, yeah. We saw, we saw that one of those bears going to town on the Brotherhood <laughs> guy, and I don't know, I don't know if that scene is supposed to be funny or not, but it's funny to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited. Like this looks good, and I am too. And like I wasn't really that excited before I saw the trailer, which you know I just saw the trailer, so this is the yep. first time I'm actually getting excited about the show. Um, yep. Because and I still I'm still wary, like I still don't know that it's justifying its own existence. Like what kind of story is it going to tell? Um, is it going to be worthwhile? Like, are we going to I mean, if it's fun and entertaining, I think I can forgive that. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait for a bunch of uh, YouTubers that are barely familiar with Fallout uh, complaining about how Fallout has gone woke and how <laughs> woke culture has ruined another beloved video game franchise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whereas Fallout always is satire about politics and it had a fucking robot named Liberty Prime that says (laughs) (laughs) his catchphrases are like we will we will deliver democracy with blood (laughs) (laughs) now Fallout from the very beginning before even Bethesda got their filthy hands on it um, it's always been like a send up of 1950s political culture and and like the atomic cafe kind of sentiment of the fifties, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's cold war fear, like, um, uh, made fun of. They yeah. just changed Russia to China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that, what, that's the one thing I'm curious about though. Are they going to legitimately straight out come out and say the big war, nuclear war was with China in this TV show? Mm, that's a good question. They should, but I don't think they will. <laughs> I, yeah, they should, but yeah, I don't think they will. I mean, look, this is not a show that's going to make it big in China anyway. So come on, have that some hasn't stopped content. them in the past. I mean, they've they've like capitulated to Chinese interests, even in movies that they don't even wind up releasing in China. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, so okay, uh, let's talk about things we've been watching that things you should watch over the holidays. Like some of the stuff that we are a little bit behind on that we should have caught up to with earlier. Some of these are new things. But let's talk about the fall of the House of Usher. God, that was so good. I binged it in two days. That is so fucking awesome. Um, I wanted to watch it like a second time as soon as I finished the last episode. I just wanted to watch it again. Um, this is done by uh, Flanagan, Mike, Mike Flanagan. 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 Um, the Flanagan. same guy who did um, uh, Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of, no, thank you. Haunting of Hill House <laughs> and uh, the one with the vampires. What was that? Midnight Mass and uh, a few other things. <laughs> and he directed uh, Gerald's Game. And yeah, he's done a lot of really, really good stuff. The Haunting um, of Hill House, the Haunting of Bly Manor. Bly Manor, uh, right. right. Mass. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a remix of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, yep. The, the framing story is loosely based on the fall of the house of usher pretty much every story that that it takes inspiration from is a very loose inspiration like it's it's completely just taking all of these ideas from poe and putting them in a blender and setting it in the modern age you know um 
And it's really clever in how it does that. Um, and I, yep. I'm a I'm a fan of Poe. I've always been a fan of Poe. Um, so like I'm 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 familiar with all the stories it's riffing on. Uh, some of them are more obscure than others. Um, I think they do some really good stuff, especially with like the Black Cat is is great. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 really good. And it and there's a couple of speeches that have been memed to death, like the speech about um, lemons. <laughs> when life gives you lemons, what you do. Um, the whole thing is a send up of just. Really, really toxic um, consumer or not consumer culture, but uh, corporate culture. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's the rise and grind culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's just, it's, it's, it is vicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, in every way. It, there's a couple of points, especially there's there's one moment in the last episode where it kind of gets Twitter ranty, and that kind of annoys me a little bit because it feels like it's it's getting a little too direct. You know, I don't disagree with it necessarily. I just, I just feel like it gets a little too Ooh, direct. Do you want to elaborate on it a little bit? Like, I, which I don't feel like it needed to bring up the Supreme Court and all that shit in the very last episode. I mean, yeah, these are the villains talking, but I, it just, it felt, I don't know, it felt, it really did. It felt, it felt like they, they took a break just to have a little Twitter rant and then back to the show. It, it felt, <laughs> it felt odd to me. You know, like it wasn't yeah. necessarily out of character or anything. It just felt like. And it, it felt like a cut scene, you know? It didn't feel like it belonged. I took it to kind of mean that, like, even in the final, like, confession, uh, 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 you know, essentially writing on his own eulogy mode he, he's in, this guy couldn't stop but help try and justify his evil. Oh, of course. See, rent. they're always... They're, they're never going <laughs> to accept blame for what they did. Like, yeah. that's that's their... their that's why they're so ho- yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, this show is kind of very funny because it's like, it's also, it's a horror show and typical Mick Flanagan fesh, uh, fashion. It's, uh, it's also about like something else. It's also about like something political. And this time it is about like the narcotic. Uh, the, the, at the core of it, it's, it's Big the, the yeah. plot is structured around the narcotic uh, uh, outbreak, narcotic, over uh prescription. like the fentanyl crisis and shit like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> yeah the the real drugs that america need to be worried about is not the ones that are coming in from the street it's the ones that are coming in from the pharmacy <laughs> that is absolutely true and the numbers will pay will they'll say that but like yeah um i think this is the most directly political flanagan has gotten um and Ooh, I don't think that's a bad Midnight thing. Mass. Midnight Mass. Oh, okay, you're right. Midnight Mass does get pretty Midnight Mass is like... A, but it's actually... Midnight Mass is just a bit more subtle, that's all. Here, the characters tend to actually say the subtests out loud. So that's probably the parts you don't like. But yeah, I think... These I guys think, are also yeah. like simple motherfuckers who are justifying their own existence, right? Yeah, they're justifying <laughs> their own evilness. And like, yeah, you yeah. kind of have different shades of evil from all the different usher children you've got you know yeah. the hedonist trying to start a party in a warehouse and they all die from the shit chemicals and stuff the toxic yeah. waste basically that is yeah. horrifying by the way just like yeah. watching is like people are melting yeah. Whoa, that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's really tapping into like fucking real dark part of historical imagery, you know? Yes, he well. is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, we should probably give it like a, a through line of this. It, it, this is a, a show that is like, it starts with all the children of the Usher family dead. 
and buried. And it's the framing device is the the head of the uh, Roderick the Usher. Usher, Roderick Usher, the head of the Usher dynasty, who his line is dead now, um, calling in the district attorney who's prosecuting him right now, prosecuting his family right now for the uh, many crimes they did, <laughs> including super contributing to the opiate crisis uh, by, like, uh, you know. This prosecutor, by the way, is uh, Dupont. Like, yeah. the yeah. precursor to Sherlock Holmes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he calls him in and he's, Essentially, it's just giving a big confession, but also fleshing back to each of his children's death and the, the underlying mystery that ties it together. You might be curious as to what is the mystery, but I figured out what is happening since episode two. Oh, yeah. I don't like, think like it ties the, the mystery. Point of the it's not the point. Yeah. yeah. It's not. There's no like big twist reveal or anything nope. that you you shouldn't see coming. Like you said, in by the second episode, it's pretty obvious yep. what's going on. Um yep. Yeah, it's just the acting more than anything else, I think, really drives this show. Um, and yeah. I got to give massive props to the guy who plays Roderick Usher, Bruce Greenwood, yeah. because he came in at the last minute. It was originally going to be, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he had to pull out like days before they started filming. And so he and Mike Flanagan brought in Bruce Greenwood, who he'd worked with before on Gerald's Game. And Bruce Greenwood basically just had to do it on the fly. And he pulls yeah. off. An incredible performance, probably the best performance of his career, and he's a good actor. Uh, so I just I gotta gotta give him props for before I talk about anybody else. Um, yeah, and Mike Flanagan also reuses a lot of his. Um, oh yeah, he uses a lot of the same actors over and over again. Um, there's the one actress. Good, they're all good. No, they're all excellent. Um, yeah, there's that one actress who was in um, who's in Gerald's Game. Also, I can't remember the actress's name, and she plays. Um, many many roles in the fall of house of usher and she does a great oh, job yes. in all of them yeah 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 yeah. god i love her i love her so much uh, uh, i want to i want i want to i want to sacrifice myself for her <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like i think i did get annoyed a little bit at some point where they kind of acting like what really happening is a big mystery to be revealed yeah whereas it isn't like I mean, like it's it's also like, it's very basic horror trope. Like it's really it's about the family and what happens to them. The vignettes about how each of the uh, pretty much most of the episodes are uh, on how the different children die. Right, uh, and they're each so basically they a take on the they adult children. They're, they're children. all a take on a, a yeah. famous Poe short story. You know, like yeah. you've got the Raven, you've got the Black Cat, you've got so on and so forth. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and. Uh, and also this show, Mike, Mike Flanagan especially, he's always been good at that, um, utilize flashbacks for exactly what it's designed for that a lot of modern filmmakers tend to forget sometimes. Uh, the flashbacks, when best utilized, it is to make you ask, ooh, how did it go from there to here? Like, right, that's it's the informing best of a flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I think actually it's lost that kind of mind poison, the use of flashback a little bit for <laughs> modern cinema in that the, they just keep flashing back to things that are parallel to the present, but in a way that is like, if you put all the flashback together, the characters no longer make sense. They only seesaw oh, <laughs> character development in the past and in the future. <laughs> yeah. The problem with Lost, 
um, and I say this as a lost stan, um, is that like they they stuck to that formula with the flashbacks in every episode yeah. for way too long. <laughs> they needed yeah. to give that up after the first season, but they didn't. They yeah. couldn't. Uh, yeah. And that's that they started just like making up shit to put in the flashbacks and they tried to keep yeah. subverting your expectations of what these characters went through. So you wind up with all these characters that have been through everything in their past. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the flash forwards and the flash sideways. Okay, the flash sideways are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, go watch the fall of the house of Asha. It's, it's, very, it's very, very good. And Mark Hamill say- also. Oh, Mark Hamill is so good. so good in this. There's a scene in the final episode where Mark Hamill is essentially given the choice of, like, essentially, like, immortality, right? Like, well, basically, yeah. Basically, like, it's change and live or be... be Go down or as die you true, Yeah, die yeah. true to your evil self. And <laughs> what he's... <laughs> What he chooses is so good. It's so good. <laughs> and how he says it. Like, and, and this is a show full of evil characters. And Mark Hamill's character might be the most pure evil character <laughs> I've ever seen. Who's just fine with it. Like, he's just okay with yeah, it. He's, so, he's, to him, it's he, not even an ideology. <laughs> everybody else is, like, conflicted and arguing and having, like, issues. And Mark Hamill's just like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm... I'm evil. Yeah. I will be. And he like talks with this really gravelly voice. Yeah. You know, it's Mark Hamill. He can do all kinds of voices. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, uh, do you, would, is this your favorite Mike Flanagan work? That's tough. Uh, yeah. It's a contender. I'll say that. It's definitely a contender. I think Midnight Mass is still my favorite. Yeah. Midnight Mass is the one that I'm thinking of that's competing with it the most. Yeah. And I, I still have a soft spot for The Haunting of Hill House just because it's the first one I saw. To be fair, I think it's because Midnight Mass is matter, uh, subject matter is religion. And that is something yeah. that is, as somebody who was raised in a very religious environment, is something that is closer to my heart than, say, the opiate crisis, because I'm not addicted to opiates. I'm an alcoholic. That's very different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, okay, so let's move on to something else I watch uh, in the little podcast break we had um i finally finished ted lasso this is gonna be the beginning of a a recurring thing here today in that this is gonna be lynn talking about something that i haven't seen so oh really (laughs) uh ted lasso it's great you need to go watch you're crazy (laughs) (laughs) so this is about like a rancher he has a lasso and he like hog ties things i mean i don't know what was this you know what ted lasso i know what ted lasso is i'm pulling your chain no no, i know but you also know that it's like based on like a fucking uh, sketch yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a series of ads right yeah i don't even remember what they're advertising but like the 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 idea being that uh for audience in case that you've been living under a rock uh uh, american (laughs) football coach being hired to coach um, uh, uh, football, uh, like a soccer, English soccer league in England, uh, Richmond FC. Uh, uh, and if people think that's a ridiculous premise, yeah, it is. They justify it. Like uh, the, it's very quickly revealed in season one that uh, the owner of the club uh, uh, got it in the divorce deliberately to ha- hurt the husband and hired, uh, did this stunt deliberately to destroy the club. Uh, but that's not what this is about, because the uh, the show is about how Ted Lasso is just this sheer force of 
optimism and how, how he bring that light to everyone around him. Uh, and it is such a wholesome show. And there's been a pushback in the recent times against this show's wholesomeness. Uh, and to those people, I say, uh, fuck off. Let us have one <laughs> nice thing. <laughs> Let us have some nice thing. I know it's unrealistic. I know sometimes it border on toxic positivity. But if you actually watch the show, that it is it, the show is actually about like Ted is it uh, well adjusted. <laughs> like he, there's a reason why he's like this, and they justify the like his whole story arc is how Ted has to learn uh, his like without losing his positive positive positivity, learn how he has to live with himself and not just use positivity as a crutch uh, to get through like just to you know, brush aside his problem. Like, he's he's trying to be everything to everyone and not really looking out for himself at all. Like, that's okay. part of the, uh, the the center of it as well. But it takes, like any good narrative, it takes all three seasons to get there. And right. it, it has a very satisfying finish, I have to say. I want a season four. There's rumors of season four happening, maybe one or two years down the track. But... I'm also completely satisfied. Oh, this is this is the season final, the series finally, by the way, as, as far as we know for now. They always said they're only going to make season three, and season four is not in production right now. So this is the end of the series. And I so does it, I it say, feel like a complete story? Like like yeah, okay. Yep. I want I want to check in on these characters later, but if I don't get to. This is fine. I feel satisfied and where everybody ended up there. It's bittersweet, but as I, all I good like stories it. should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and like it, people who are criticizing it by just using clips from the show, they're wrong. Like they they don't know what the show is actually about. They're wrong. Like it's just, it's this show is not about toxic positivity. It it is it does in fact tackle the idea of toxic positivity, but it also just wants to be wholesome at the same time. <laughs> and the, okay. all the characters are like flaw characters. They don't all succeed in um, in the change they want to be, and like a lot of characters fall into bad habits and redeem but at the core of it, it there is just people just trying to be happy together as a makeshift family and it's it's this hard it's hard to describe it. and it's also very left so it, it's some right right wing people post clips from it to make fun of it about how woke it is because there's a scene <laughs> in particular that get very preachy about uh the football club discussing uh like revenge poll uh, uh the football club like uh, the footballers trying to tell each other to delete uh, pictures of their exes, sex, sexy pictures of their exes from their right. photos, you know. Um, and out of context, it looked like, it, 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 if you just watch the clip, it read like a um, after-school special scene. Uh, okay. And even in context, it is a little bit, like, it is it, it is a little bit over the top. I, I admit that. But in context, it makes a lot of sense because they, like, this come. This seems come right after uh, uh, the woman they care about in their life, uh, their PR manager, got the nudes leaked. And they're reacting to that. And some of the footballers are like, hey, these are my nudes. They sent it to me. I'm not sharing it. You know? And, right. and it, it come more naturally. And like, just because it's wholesome, uh, people are like, people are so cynical that they hate that thing. I'm like, <laughs> do you... Do you- disagree with the sentiment that you know people's you should be leaked without their consent like come on man <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you get your head up your ass you know <laughs> and also like also it's because they like oh no uh, football people in football locker room should, wouldn't act like this and i'm like yeah i know and that's fucked up but 
can we have these nice fictional people act well in a football locker room? Like, why can't I have that? <laughs> they didn't say this was Ted Lasso, a documentary about this fucked up world. The show is just called Ted Lasso. Let me have this, okay? <laughs> anyway, everybody should go watch. It's very wholesome. If anything else we talk about uh, a feel in the true Christmas spirit of people just being together and nice to each other, Ted Lasso is it. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and uh, for people who are uh, hesitant because it's about soccer, it's barely about soccer. In fact, in season one, they have this funny thing of every time a football match starts, they cut and then the football <laughs> match finish. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, do, do, they do show us a little bit more uh, of the football match in the later season, but it's more... Um, to facilitate the characters. like It's about the characters in the game rather than right. football itself. <laughs> I get it. Okay. And also, like, soccer rules isn't complicated. You don't really, like... <laughs> you don't really need to learn anything to watch this show. <laughs> uh, okay, so... These are things that we haven't talked about until now because you haven't seen it last we talked. Uh, but you have now finished both Ahsoka and Mandalorian C3. Yeah, and I think I might piss you off a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think one of these is really any better or worse than the other. Ooh. <laughs> like, that's confusing, because what... <laughs> I, I, I thought Mandalorian Season 3 was fine. Like, it didn't... There was nothing about it that, like, set me off. I thought the biggest weakness of The Mandalorian Season 3 was that I didn't care about the yeah. major plot. <laughs> line but honestly in ahsoka i kind of felt the same way i don't like like i haven't watched rebels we did talk about that so like i didn't really give a shit about ezra like i don't i still don't i don't have a reason to care about ezra and i'm still mad that our main character basically decided to sacrifice the 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 uh, security of the entire galaxy for this one dude um i I'm still kind of, I feel, but like both shows are still fun. They both like do Star Wars really well. They're both like good Star Wars shows. Ahsoka um, has some cool lore building and it has some really good action scenes. But at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. Like I'm excited about Thrawn and I think they did okay with Thrawn by the end, but I still don't really care. And that's kind of uh, no, how yeah. I, f- I, don't, I don't give a shit about Thrawn. They completely failed to deliver on the promise of Thrawn. Yeah, he's not <laughs> nearly as interesting as, as he is in yeah. the in the in the books. Um, yeah, he and actually as- come come off like a bit of a tryhard because he's like, oh yes, all according to plan. I'm like, oh dude, no, all your shit just blew up. Come on, man. That can't be part of your plan. <laughs> And, you know, honestly, I kind of felt the same way about Mandalorian Season 3. It has some great set-piece moments. It has some really good action scenes. It's got one really cringy episode with Jack Black, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, and I actually like that episode. I like things about that episode, but it is very, like... It, it, it kind of takes you out of it. It's kind of like this one standalone episode in the middle of the season that, like... Well, it's towards the end of the season, but it still feels kind of out of place. Um, I love uh, Christopher... Uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Lloyd as the is yeah. basically the bad guy. I love it. Um, yeah. No, I, <laughs> that episode was also like, uh, oh, I wonder who the secret villain is. Is, is this this? Uh, <laughs> is this the brief cameo of a great character actor, or is this somebody <laughs> we haven't met so far? <laughs> I wonder who it is. 
Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like I said, I, I didn't give a shit about that either. I don't give a shit about the main plot. I don't care about Mandalore. And I don't see why anybody is supposed to care about Mandalore. Um, I think they expected people to care about Mandalore for two reasons. that they One, they have cool armors. And two, um, the, the girl who played Bo-Katan, Kara Thrace, is hot. <laughs> I think those are the two things they're counting on. I mean, those and, two things are true, but that doesn't make me care about a planet that this is dumb (laughs) and props to the people who took the existing mandalorian armor which is made out of metal by uh, by and large um and still somehow managed to redesign it to show off uh bo-katan's hips yeah Uh, those guys those guys need to get paid more Um, and I cannot believe you betrayed me like this on Christmas, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms I, of showing off um, certain body parts, I will say Ahsoka does do that better with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, and um, constantly yeah. showing her from like low back angles, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ahsoka is, is framed like anime at times. And- kind of. <laughs> I mean, I mean that in both good and bad connotation. Like there are, there are a lot of uh, TNA shots. Let's just say <laughs> that are very anime. Like, what are you? Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, there's a scene in the season in episode one where, uh, uh, what's her face, Ahsoka's apprentice uh, character. God, how how can I have forgotten her name? You're the one who watched Rebels, not me. <laughs> You know that Mandalorian girl with the colorful hair? Yeah, uh, yeah. purple hair lady. Yeah, uh, she slides under a, 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 a spaceship, <laughs> and the camera Sabine, is by the way Sabine. The camera, <laughs> the camera follows that shot right behind her ass, yep. low from behind totally. the pipe, and <laughs> they essentially set to frame the ass and follow it like the, <laughs> it's like half the screen at least, and it's right in the middle. <laughs> It is uh, not subtle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I I love that Ahsoka because uh, it introduced me to my new favorite character in Star Wars, Shin Hati. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shin Hati did nothing wrong, and she survived the show, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. I am really <laughs> sad about Ray Stevenson because I yes. think he was one of the most interesting things about the entire show, yeah. and it's clear they, they had to... I think they did have to cut some things because they weren't really yeah. sure what they were going to do with him afterwards. Yeah. Um, and I do hope that the, the character is able to survive and they're able to cast somebody who can do a good job with it. Um, yeah. But it's going to be real tough to replace Ray Stevenson. He did such a good job. Yeah. Look, um, I may overplay, but I don't completely disagree with your assessment of Soka. Like, I know I enjoyed it more because I like Rebels, and I'm keen to see these characters again. And I like Ezra, and I was pleasantly surprised by how good the live-action Ezra character was bringing this, like, mischievous uh, character. I will say the uh, casting seems to be incredible. Like, from what little yeah. I have seen of Rebels, the, the live-action versions of these characters all seem pretty accurate. So Yeah. There's there's a scene where he takes on a bunch of stormtroopers and he's like, I don't need a lightsaber, I can wing this. Oh, and yeah. it is, it's very like it's like Ezra's just stepped out of the animation into live action. Like especially at the end of it, like they get cornered and he's like, Whoa, let let let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you are right that the whole season feels like a fucking shell game of just moving characters from one space to another, yeah. getting ready for the next show. And I don't like it when Marvel do it. I don't like it when Star Wars do it either. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, let's face it, by the time next important things come along, Ahsoka and people are going to come back from where they got left behind to the main universe and whatever, you know? Okay, I, uh, I, I clearly didn't piss you off enough. So let me talk about the one episode with Hayden Christensen. Um I really liked Hayden Christensen and I really liked the visual style of recapturing the Clone Wars in live action. I thought they did a great job with that, but the episode is fucking pointless. There's no reason for it. There is nothing pointless about fan service. (laughs) It is completely like there's no messages transpired. Ahsoka goes through no changes. She only like sort of died so that she could go into this realm and have a conversation. I don't agree with that. I think Ahsoka. I don't think it was part of her arc at all. (laughs) I think Ahsoka learns two important things in this, which is to like to go back to being her normal self from a clone was which is she's not risk adverse like that's a new thing like for me i like that episode because my complaint about ahsoka and like this so far is she's she's not like the ahsoka i love in the clone Wars because she's so risk adverse she she feels like she has bought into the jedi dogma whereas after this episode and this show especially justified that that's not what's happening she's more kind of what really is that the weight of being Darth Vader's apprentice is weighing on her. You know, she's risk adverse because she knows when you take risk, where such, if it go wrong, it end up it can end up as terribly as Dark Lord of the Sith, like Darth Vader. Right. And I feel like I feel like she came out of that. Uh, a coming to terms with that Anakin, they Anakin is contained multitude. He was. Darth Vader and the fact that he became Darth Vader didn't doesn't ruin that he was Anakin Skywalker, her master, with good in him at some point. Like the things she taught him still have values. The history they had together still value, and it wasn't destroyed by the fact, completely destroyed by the fact that he became Darth Vader. And as a result, of that he she now learns to no longer be super risk adverse and to go back to her true self, which directly lead to her taking a risk to go to the other universe. That's how I justify it. I don't know. I feel like she was going to do that anyway. Like, I don't I don't really feel like her character went through that dramatic of a change. Um, at the end, she's still pretty stoic. Like, yeah, she's more accepting of the situation that she's in and she's more accepting of the, of the cost of it all. And she's willing to forgive Sabine for uh, what I think is still unforgivable. Um but at this, I don't know. It doesn't feel like that dramatic of a switch to me. And, and and I don't feel like that point was really relayed very well in that episode. So if that's what they were going for, I don't think they succeeded. Well, I don't know whether or not they're going for it, but that's what I took away from it. And therefore, I was... I mean, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And I, I'm yeah. you're giving me something to think about. But I just... I but, just I, but you're right, though. I don't know what, how much of it is me doing the emotional lag. Post hoc. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Oh, just because I'm attached to these characters in particular, right? Because I particularly love Ahsoka. I mean, uh, I love Ahsoka and, too, and I, I think Rosario again, Rosario Dawson is perfect casting. So, but you know, before this, I wasn't happy with Ahsoka's portrayal in well, live yeah, action so far because you yeah. wanted it to be the other actors. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I love Rosario Dawson. I mean, like her car- her, her personality. Like, oh, I, I okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she's, I, I didn't. She's gotten yeah. too stoic, too Jedi-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I didn't care. Like I mean, like I know the voice actor can't play hard in live action. Like that's two different skill set. I don't know why the internet is upset about that. Okay, I confused you with the rest of the internet. I'm sorry. That is an unforgivable <laughs> sin of my own. <laughs> but uh, look, Ahsoka didn't blow me away. The show, like, and and, uh, and you, what you said about earlier about like shows not justifying their own existence, I get that. I don't think Ahsoka as a show <laughs> needed to exist for any reason other than they kind of want to shuffle these characters around of where they are in the universe. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> But, but don't um, get me wrong, I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. Like, if that's yeah. all you want from your Star Wars is just fun, that's the, the Ahsoka is a better show in that regard than and something. The fight scenes even... are good. Oh yeah, the fight scenes are great. It's, there's a, uh, some excellent lightsaber battles too. Which if, you yeah, know, if that's why you watch Star Wars. Watch fucking Ahsoka. It's great. Yeah, and also. <laughs> Some of the new spaceships are great as well. I love those uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Spitfire-looking spaceships. Oh, those uh, are nice. And, and uh, my friends all make fun of me because they say she's barely a character, but I say she's my queen. Shinhati is great. I love to see more of her. <laughs> she's uh, interesting, <laughs> and I, I do want to see more of her because I um, just just as a character, I think she's interesting. <laughs> 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 try to try to justify yourself there in case your wife listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now my wife knows me better than that. She doesn't have a certain attributes. <laughs> it's, it's as far as I'll go. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, anything else about Mandalorian season three? I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Well, I, I think you're higher on Mandalorian season three than I am. Like, I, I didn't like Mandalorian season three at all because I am sick of Bo-Katan having the exact same arc in every single fucking show she shows up. <laughs> that's actually a oh, really no. good point. No, that's a oh, good no. point. Oh no, Bo-Katan has lost Mandalorian, Mandalore somehow, and help Bo-Katan claims it back. And you know, if anybody in Star Wars actually remember what what happened in Star Wars before, which they don't, because that's the, one of the main problems about Star Wars. Star Wars characters do not remember what happened in Star Wars earlier. Which is so weird. It's, and the Mandalorian is like one of the biggest offenders in that regard. Like people yeah. don't even know who Jedi are anymore. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if anybody is keeping track in the Star Wars universe, somebody should stand up and be like, hey, this is like the third time we help <laughs> Katan reclaim Mandalore. At some point, maybe she can't keep Mandalore because she doesn't deserve Mandalore. <laughs> Because that's what happened in the season seven of Clone Wars. Right. Ahsoka helped Bo-Katan <laughs> reclaim Mandalore from Darth Maul, who, I must, I must add, Bo-Katan brought to Mandalore. <laughs> Bo-Katan brought Darth Maul and helped install him into Mandalore. <laughs> and then turned out this fucking red evil man that looked like the devil was evil. And... <laughs> <laughs> so she has she need the Jedi's help to reclaim it. And then in Rebels again <laughs> the the Empire has taken Mandalore and the, <laughs> they have to help take Mandalore. And now fucking once again we have to reclaim Mandalore for Bogatan. Enough Bogatan. Just find another place. Just give it up. It's <laughs> not much left to win anyway. Yeah. And then, like, they're now hinting that, oh, if there's a Mandalorian season uh, four, like, the show is called Mandalorian, not Dinjaran. It doesn't always have to be about Dinjaran. I'm like, fuck off. I'm not going to watch a show about Mandalorians fucking around on Mandalore. 
And let, let's let's be perfectly honest. A lot of people are not watching this show for Din Jardin. They're watching it for Grogu. Yes. This is the Grogu show. He hijacked yes. it in the episode one and has never yes. let go. And I actually don't have a lot of problem with Bo-Katan as a character other than how going through the same character arcs over and over again. My, my real problem is against Mandalorian. Why are we supposed to fucking care about Mandalorians? They are no. their own worst enemy. Yeah. They have created all their own problems. And I think... Mandalorian season three does that the worst of all the Mandalorian seasons. Like Mandalorian season one and two, you're kind of following the story of this one character. And yeah, the Mandalorians get mixed up into it. But like this season's all about the Mandalorians and who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) They're like squabbling children. (laughs) It's the same reason why we don't give a shit about um, the Transformers in Michael Bay Transformer movies. They're all a bunch of little assholes that are just like throwing down (laughs) against each other. Like, why do we care? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, look, I I don't know what will happen. Like, I do like the idea that um, they have left it in a place where when they finally make that episode 10, or maybe they're too afraid to call it episode 10, but it's in the work. They already announced it. The Ray thing. Yeah. The Ray thing. There's a, uh, going to be a movie where Ray has restarted the Jedi Order and stuff. When that come around, I wouldn't mind the idea of seeing a grown-up Grogu who is the Mandalorian leader. You know? Like, that would be cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The force sensitive Mandalorian leader that is from Yoda's race. That's cool. Like I, I, I'm willing to see more of that. But if you're gonna give us Mandalorian season four, you're gonna either have to focus entirely on Dinjarin and Grogu again, <laughs> or you're gonna have to give us a plot about the Mandalorians that I would actually care about instead of <laughs> them refusing to leave this terrible planet they can't keep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, why why did that why did the villain rig up his clone vet with a self destruct sequence? <laughs> <That was> so, <laughs> it was like a big doofenshmirtz move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So let's move on to that and let's talk about Loki season two. I'm actually cu- very curious to find out what you thought about Loki season two. Um, okay, first of all, I loved it. I fucking loved it. It's great. Uh, especially the last episode blew me the fuck away. Um, but as a time travel fool's <laughs> nitpicker. <laughs> <was> <laughs> um, this one seems to completely disregard all the rules set up in the first season. Like it just, it makes its own rule book. It just starts over yeah. from scratch. Uh, that does kind of bother me, but I, after a couple episodes, I was, I was willing to let that go um, and just go with it because it's so well done. Like I'm a, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's like a pull, push and pull with me. You know, the yeah. one thing more than anything else that annoys me is where the hell did Loki suddenly get these powers that he's never had before? Like, now he can use repulsor beams with the green magic? Where did that come from? And now he can, like, build these shadow monsters that can attack people? What? That's not Loki's power set. He They even very clearly in the first season describe what Loki's powers are, and he does illusion casting. He doesn't, like, create things that can interact with other things. He creates illusions. Um, and all of a sudden... Which shadow monsters? I forgot about like the in the second episode when they catch uh, the actor guy, uh, the 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 hunter who was living yeah. in the yeah, um, he like shoots green beams at him and he like act, things like explode. He falls over and then like later when he captures him, he's he's got like the three different Lokis and he's he's got him up against the wall and then these like shadow versions of Loki come out of the wall and grab him. That's not. <laughs> 
That's not a power <laughs> set that Loki's ever had. <laughs> to, to be fair, uh, season one of Loki was also like not correct with randomly giving Loki new powers. That's true. It, it, that's like a comic <laughs> book problem all yeah. over the place. Uh, it yeah. just felt especially egregious here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of just keep justifying everything as Loki is a god. I'm like, sure, but like... <laughs> at one point you have to answer why he didn't use these powers earlier like for example say against the Avengers <laughs> by the way yeah. this Loki is also like somebody who invaded New York like three weeks ago <laughs> there's this one moment where he's like eating pie with Mobius yeah. and he, he talks about like there was this one time like one time it was like a week ago dude yeah like, I understand where you've been, you know, like one time I got so annoyed with my brother that I invited us. <laughs> like, that's a funny way of reframing that. Like the writers knew exactly what they're doing. And I, no, and I like actually... I said, the, the, the show invites you to just go with it and have fun yeah. with it. And yeah. um a lot of that is is carried on Tom Hiddleston. He's yeah, he's a he's a he's yeah. a treasure. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Ki Hui Kwan. Steals oh, every he's scene so he's in. Good in this. He's so good in it. <laughs> I love, I love his little things. Like he's like, well, is this a science problem or a fiction problem? Right. And then I love he, that. ending it with, the, oh, turned out it was a fiction problem all along. <laughs> I love that. I knew you would love that part as a science fiction writer. <laughs> oh, it's great! It's fantastic. Yeah. That is that is how you should you should think as a science fiction writer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like that he, he's like, oh, you you invented that uh, tampad really quick. I'm like, well, I wouldn't call nine nine months quick. Like, it, I was oh, yeah. delayed for a little bit because my wife left me and I had to move out. <laughs> <laughs> so very funny. And Jonathan Majors was good as Victor Timely. I'm not, I'm still confused about the variant thing. Like, I thought variants were like the same character from different timelines, not like this random version that showed up in the 19th century somehow. Like, that's not his backstory. That's not the same character. How can Victor Timely be Kang if Kang is from like the 31st century? It's weird. Um, well, but I think Kang is like. Uh, like 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 Loki, like they they more special, right? Like they not right. And also, like I think uh, I think they are different versions of the character, but it doesn't mean like they all have to show up at the right time, right? Because like multiverse can be very different, right? Okay. Uh, but uh, that that does beg the question: How do we determine if a person is a variant of another person? If they can show up anywhere and it can be any gender, you know? Why is Crocodile Loki and Loki instead of a lo <laughs> crocodile. And Just a some crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, did Odin adopt a crocodile, or did they come from a universe where all the Norse gods are crocodiles? I have so many questions. <laughs> Just the crocodile universe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so no, I mean, I loved it, and the ending is incredible. It's it's probably the best ending to any Marvel show so far. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's not, I mean, that's not a big competition because Marvel endings in their TV shows is a notorious weak spot, but still, it's yep. really good and really powerful. Yeah. Uh, where, okay, so th this is the argument right now that the internet is having. Do you think this ending cement Kang as the next big villain, or do you think this ending is them trying to ride out Kang? I think they can take it either way, and I think that yeah. that's kind of intentional, but that... Yeah. I'm not sure if that was always the plan, but like, I feel like the show is going to end here. Like this is kind of like the thematic through line for Loki. Like it makes sense. 
But yeah. I do feel like they left it open-ended enough that they can take it in either direction. If they do want to drop Kang, this is how you do it. Whereas yeah. if you want to cement Kang as the big baddie, you could also do it this way. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like they left it more open-ended than they probably would have before Jonathan Majors got in trouble. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's a... We know that the TVA is going to be in the Deadpool movie. Yeah. The Deadpool movie is the only, also the only Marvel movie that is releasing next year. That's true. Uh, right? Yeah, that's, no, uh, that's correct. Marvel's uh, not releasing uh, any other movies. That's the only movie that Marvel movie is coming out next year. They do have uh, like some shows that are coming out next year, but that's the only movie. Uh, are we not getting um, uh, Captain the new Captain America? Uh, Captain no, America that's been pushed the... back until 2025. They're, I mean, okay. they're still doing reshoots. Like, right now, they're doing reshoots. What What do they call it? Not New World Order anymore. Brave New World. Uh, yeah. Brave New World, yeah. It's slightly better. <laughs> <laughs> Only slightly less loaded. <laughs> yeah. They should have just called... Oh, my God. They should have just called it Captain America and WO. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Just have Hulk so Hogan NWA, show up. NWA, NWA, NWA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people would go mad from both sides. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, and there's a. It's already been confirmed that TVA plays a role in that Deadpool movie. So there's a rumors going around that that movie is going to be that it's the beginning of the TVA starting to recruit multiversal heroes. For uh, for their war against Kang, and, and that's if how Deadpool's that, gonna show up. Yeah, yeah. If that's if that's the truth, then that that's a pretty exciting setup. I like but it. then again, uh, we have to put up with like three more movies before the multiverse <laughs> once war happens. So I think it might be a little bit too early to start recruiting for the multiverse war. But you could have said the same thing about Endgame, and you know they introduce they introduce. Um, the threat of Thanos so early, and then we had to sit through like eight movies before we got there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it paid off, so let's see. Uh, look, uh, I don't prescribe to this doom and gloom about the Marvel Universe, but cl- clearly Marvel need to change up their formula and also just be better, for fuck's sake. Just like stop your uh, different way of thinking and start paying people enough time and money to actually put out a good product. No, and, and I, I, I do feel like the, I do feel like the execs are saying all the right things about, yep. you know, making quantity more important than quality or quality more important than quantity. They, they'd had that backwards and they need to step back a little bit from that. Yep. Um, and that, and that's absolutely correct. Um, I wish they would say more about the movie. Yeah. They are, I wish they would say more about paying more to their CG people and giving them more time, yep. but they're not going to talk about that. <laughs> And reducing the release for the next year to one is goes a long way towards that. But you say all the execs are saying the right thing, but there is one thing they said that is super stupid, which is like, oh, we dropped the ball. We dropped the ball with Marvels by not having enough uh, executive. Oh yeah, um, that. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Because there wasn't enough executive interference. That's why the Marvels failed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. movies that have a bunch of studio interference are always better. <laughs> yeah, and if you watch the Marvel, it's clearly fucking being chopped with an axe to the inch of his death. <laughs> I do want to say one more thing about Marvels. I know we talked about it last week, um, yeah. but I feel really bad for the director. She's getting a yeah. lot of shit that she does yep. not deserve. Yep. Um, and I think I think part of it is her fault. Like, she did yeah. leave post-production in a huff uh, outside of contractual obligations. And so that made Disney very, very mad. That's why they're not defending her. Um, yeah. 
But still, I feel like that's a minor slight compared to all the shit she's getting. She is not yeah. responsible for what happened to the Marvels at all. She actually yeah. seemed pretty damn competent for me. So yeah. And it's also very clear that um, the industry is fucked because as much of a, as big of a failure that Marvel is, it's also the biggest box office box office by a black female director. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> which that's is, which just goes to show that it's there's an indictment. not a black female director. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and also, like, uh, Marvel is like enough of their projects are still successful. People are just blah blahing over how successful Guardian of the Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy was three was great. Yeah, and yeah, at the same time, people are loving to pile on the Marvels. Loki season two well, yep. got all great, great press. You know, so yep. Yep. Marvel will be fine. They will yep. course correct and. They'll find their light again. People will be excited yep. about Marvel movies again. Yep. And if I don't know if they'll ever reach have... their heyday again. Yes. Like I do yeah, think superhero fatigue is real. Yep. But I think it's a little overhyped. Yeah, I think I think they can find a middle ground in which they can fund their own existence in a way. Yeah. Like if even if they never make three billion dollar movies in a row again, they're gonna just have to learn to make a hundred and ten million dollar movies instead of two hundred and fifty million dollars movies. They'll They'll cost correct. Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll evolve. Yeah. yeah. And adapt. Uh, and if they don't, then the clean deserve to die. Yeah. yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I love all these characters, but, you know, the world will them. keep if going. They, yeah. If they completely fail, it, they, it will go rebooted in 10 years. Okay. It's, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in Hollywood ever truly dies. Yeah. Uh, a couple of little things I want to talk about. Uh, this is a bit more of a more than a PSA because I think the marketing really failed this show, the new Scott Pilgrim show. The marketing was deliberately playing coy and making people think this is an adaptation of the original comics again, uh, which the movie was a pretty faithful adaptation with all the like a lot of bits cut off, of course, because the the comic is like six volume comics. Right. It's a two hour movie. And the ending is different because uh, the movie actually came out just as the the comic is finishing off. So the ending of the movie is different from the ending of the comic. Uh, so a lot, I think a lot of people fail to see the uh, reason for existence of this show. Uh, the marketing is a lie. This is not an adaptation of the comic. The, the new Scott Pilgrim show is actually very different it's something very different happened very early on and the story is completely different it just goes it's, like off the rails from there like it yeah, just takes yeah. a different tack yeah it's a it's a it's almost uh uh i wouldn't call it a sequel because it's the same events again but it's weird and i haven't finished it but i think people if people like scott pilgrim but they're like oh i don't need to see the same story again you're not seeing the same story again you should watch it it's, it's like the almost... final fantasy 7 remake plot wise yeah 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 it's it's almost rebuild of evangelion it's almost <laughs> final fantasy 7 remake it's, it's that kind of vibe and and um it's uh, especially if people remember, like they are, like they think uh, the Scott Pilgrim movie failed to capture the real point of the comics. Uh, in that, like Scott, Scott Pilgrim's a bad dude, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. Like, I, I don't think it's the movie's fault. I think it's like people without media literacy latching onto the wrong characters again. <laughs> uh, uh, if you see that as a problem, you also especially should watch this. This is almost 
a Ramona Flowers show than the Scott Pilgrim show, actually. Okay, <laughs> cool. And uh, it's exciting. And all the cast come back. And it's also hilarious at times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new jokes. And uh, some people will accuse of being woke, but it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. There's a joke. Remember that in the, there's a joke in the original where uh, one of the band is called Crash and the Boys, uh-huh. uh, uh, and the, like that one of the characters shout, "Is that drama? Is that girl drama? A boy too?" And the band's <laughs> like, "Yes." <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah. And they make a joke about it in this sequel where they like Crash and the Boys are supposed to show up, uh, uh, do a gig, and they didn't because they're too busy changing their names because they have a girl drama. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so, like, they build off the jokes that already exist about this about this property in the culture. So it's, that's cool. It's, it's meta, which Scott Pilgrim is inherently meta. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Let's just say there's a reason why the show is called Scott, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, and leave it at that, and people should go watch it. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah, and I want to quickly recommend a couple of things. I think uh, I think making way popular enough, but in my friend circle, at least, like people are giving it enough uh, credit and like not checking it out. And I think I want people to check it out. Gen V. It's so good. Like uh, it is in fact, like the voice season 3.5. I think if you love the voice, if you're going to watch season four, I think you really should watch Gen V before season four gets here because it is set between the, those two seasons. Like it is the continuation of the timeline It is set in the same universe. And other than not having any of the main, the voice character in it, that's the only reason this is a spin-off. Like, and it completely justifies its existence. All the characters, new characters are fun. And it all simultaneously managed to have the same DNA as the voice, but also have a completely different tones because this is more like a teenage drama show because it's about a school for superheroes where teenagers are learning to become top heroes. Uh, it's good. I can see why you <laughs> like it. That sounds like right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... It kind of makes me a little bit annoyed knowing that we will never get like a Marvel show like this. And I don't mean because they have all the sex and the violence and stuff, but like Marvel shows will never have this kind of mature tone in it because they have to be all things to all people. They can't. Um, so I like knowing that that's why I'll never get a, a comic accurate runaway Runaways. show that I like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, whatever they do, Young Avengers, uh, it will never be like this. Uh, that's that's what me up. Because like these are kids and they have teenagers' problems. They don't just have superhero problems. In fact, a lot of their powers are quite clearly metaphors for teenage problems. Like, for example, their version of uh, Ant Man stack slash stature, this the shrinking person, she have to purge. To, to shrink. Oh, uh, it's God. a secret she's keeping to herself. <laughs> yeah, she has to purge to shrink. Um, and, like, uh, if you think, like, it's like, oh, that's a little bit on the nose, a little bit late. There's more to it than that. There's actually a reveal at the, towards the end of the shows where she's like, oh, maybe she's wrong about some things, you know? <laughs> and it re- and her character, Emma, Little Cricket, she's by far the breakout character. She started off the show thinking, like thinking she might be annoying and then like she's my favorite character by the end and then we have golden boy who is the human torch character you know we have a legacy character uh called polarity whose father is the original polarity you know uh like cool. uh, the boys is a show that exists because mcu and dc and superhero movies are uh, so culturally relevant right now and they justify it 
with their satire. And for people who are saying like, oh, they're just becoming what they parody because they're announcing a lot of spin-offs. So what? Like, they're still a TV <laughs> show. They're still a product. It, unless those super, unless those spin-offs they're making are disposable and bad, they're not like, this is like selling punk bands for, uh, accusing punk bands for selling out because they signed with a major label. Hey, <laughs> the, the point of a TV show is for it to be seen, okay? It's right. not, <laughs> <laughs> as long as what they're putting out is still of quality uh, and good, it's fine that they're making like as many spin off as NCU have. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. It doesn't um, matter. And this show is very good. Um, and. Uh, I got to get on watching season three of The Boys. I still want to watch that. I'll watch that and then I'll watch Gen V. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They have a character who can control blood. um, And they also even like talk about like marketability of some people's powers and some how some people power are like, oh, it's not going to play well against the Rust Belt because (laughs) your powers are icky. Or like uh, one person is they can change like uh, between gender. Like they they are both male and female. uh, And like uh, even though they are very good and uh, they always top ten in the school, they'll never be number one because Ford is like we can't market a Dubai gender Asian uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, superhero to the Rust Belt. Like they never buy it, you know that kind of thing. Like it's it's really good. Like it it keeps the satire core. Yeah, it sounds boys, completely consistent with the boys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of fun cameos in it. So, like, uh, one cameo is the only one that is like, oh, you guys kind of want to use this cameo, so you justified it. The rest of the characters shows up very organically. Once again, in a way that makes me annoyed at uh, Marvel, in a way that, you know, there are times in which Marvel TV shows where certain events are happening and you're like, why isn't Captain America here? Right. Like, or like, Iron Man should be here. I know Iron Man's around. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this show, as soon as you ask that question, a character asks that question, and five minutes later, <laughs> Somebody the character up. that you're asking about shows up. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, That's good. good. <laughs> Address it head on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, another thing people should be checking out is Doctor Who is having this big overhaul reboot uh, thing where they, for the 60th special, they put they t- put out three specials uh, by bringing back the original showrunner of the reboot. So like Russell T. Davis, who's the guy who was a showrunner when they rebooted it for modern audience with uh, Christopher Eccleston. So he's back. And for the three special, they brought back David Tennant. Even though he's been the Doctor, he was the 10th Doctor, they brought him back as the 14th Doctor. Uh, uh, and they kind of explains why the old face is back, uh, leading into the new Doctor, uh, uh, the guy from uh, Sex Education. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, probably. It's sorry. A, I, can, I can sort of remember it, but I can't pronounce yeah, it. I, I don't want to embarrass myself. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the Christmas special, uh, so by the time you listen to this, the Christmas special is probably out or just about to come out. That will be with the new Doctor. Uh, but the three specials are with David Tennant's Doctor. Uh, look, if you know Doctor Who, you know how Doctor Who works, and you know that new Doctor has to cameo in the last episode for, for him to show up <laughs> in the Christmas special. But there's a couple of surprises. It doesn't go the way you think it would go. And uh, Doctor Who is fun. And like... Uh, 
I know a lot of people tuned off for maybe for the wrong reasons with Jodie Whittaker's character and stuff. Uh, but uh, it's unfortunate that the writing for those series also wasn't very good. Like <laughs> uh, it gave the people who are rebelling against it because it's a female doctor too much fuel by having mediocre writing. <laughs> uh, but I feel like these three specials are really up to snuff. And especially uh, they are v- three episodes with very different, uh, uh, very different DNA, but all classic Doctor Who stories. Like uh, the the one in the middle uh, itself is. Uh, Kind of feel like a classic Doctor Who bottle episode, but it's so good. Like, there's pretty much no other actors except the Doctor and the Daughter in that episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, like, there's three other actors in that episode, but each of them have, like, 30 seconds of screen time. Everybody, <laughs> the whole <laughs> other time, it was just the two main uh, actors, and it's so good. Interesting. Um, and the very first of this special, just to set the tone, just to make sure that I think is deliberate by the production to make sure that people who think they got a win because that female doctor is gone. The first episode is centered around a trans character and is pissing off a lot of people <laughs> and I'm really loving it. <laughs> and uh, whatever tease we get about the new doctor is so like fun. Like I'm super excited to watch this new doctor. And for people who are not in the loop, uh, doesn't know the new doctor is black and uh, people are also hating that <laughs> of course they are <laughs> but it, they did have a really fun line where one of the characters uh, says after the doctor it's like so do you guys just come in a range of colors <laughs> and he's like yes <laughs> and that's that's the only thing they say about addressing the new doctor being black and I'm like that's so doctor who and I love it <laughs> And for some reason, they the Christmas uh, special, who is it, which is an out, uh, has a song about a bunch of goblins trying to eat a child, <laughs> and it's very it has very gremlin two energy to it. You should watch this film, film. and they they released it before the Christmas special is actually out, so they can uh, promote it, hoping to get to Christmas number one singles. <laughs> And I'm hoping it happens because this is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, my point is Doctor Who is great again and people should check it. Uh, After the Christmas special in 2024, we're actually going to finally get a proper season of Doctor Who again after so many years. And this is how much they have faith in it. They're already shooting the next season. They're already shooting shooting the 2025 season. And if you're asking why this all is happening with this much inertia now, well, let's <laughs> our corporate overlord Disney is giving them the money. <laughs> did you know about this part? I did. Yeah, I'd heard this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Disney has gotten uh, outside of BB outside of um, UK international distribution right to all of Doctor Who's. So. It's on Disney Plus now. Uh, all the specials are on Disney Plus. You should go watch it. And they have given them the Disney money. You can immediately see it. <laughs> like, Unit has the Avenger Towers now. And I'm not saying they have a tower. They pretty much just have the Avengers Tower. <laughs> <laughs> look at the Avengers Tower. <laughs> um, and the special effect is so much better. And they have a lot more money. And they are really using it in fun ways. Okay. 
Like I, <laughs> you're talking to somebody who's never actually seen an episode of Doctor Who, so I don't oh, really, really have a lot to say. Yeah, it's it's part of my shame. I've brought it up on my live streams before, and people have who've you know shamed me, but it's 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 just because it's so overwhelming. There's just so much content. I know everybody keeps telling me I should just start with the reboot and go from there, but like I. I feel like I would have to know more than that. I don't know. I just, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> I I say this is your perfect chance. I, I, I say don't even start with the reboot. I say just watch these three specials. You won't get as much of it as some people would because uh, you don't have the context. But these three specials lead straight into the new Doctor, which is designed to be a reboot for the uh new uh, audience so the three the three special will justify your introduction to the new doctor and by the time the new doctor come along uh, it's kind of like a flash state the three special would have told you everything you need to know about what happened before okay so for new watchers or for people who are curious like you doctor who curious but never be <laughs> part of the doctor who lifestyle <laughs> my doctor who agenda is for you to get into doctor who now <laughs> Um, so I think that's our massive Christmas special episode. Do you have anything else to recommend people to watch over their holiday period? Uh, no. Um, uh, but, uh, all you gamers out there should play Alan Wake too. It's great. Um, Ooh, yeah. Oh, and also I watched the first episode of the live SCU Yu Hakuso last night and it was good. If I wasn't so sleepy, I wouldn't watch the rest. It's weird. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Japanese. It's live action by Japanese, but uh, the dubbing is weird because it's dubbed over from Japanese. So right. maybe you should just watch it with subtitles. And it carried that uh, uh, One Piece DNA of taking weird things from the anime and just straight face doing it anyway. One of the right. major characters in the, this show is just have a pacifier in his mouth, even though he's a grown-ass man, and they just do that. They just do that <laughs> in the live-action show. It looked ridiculous, but I'm like, I'm glad you didn't take it out. <laughs> <laughs> also, the fight scenes are really good for some reason. Okay. And they have a lot of body horror bits in it that are good. Ooh, and like a lot of like really physical fight scenes that is like very reminiscent of the height of 90 Hong Kong action movies in a way that I really like. Okay. So people cool. should go and check it out. Well, I mean, look, I've only seen one episode. Maybe it turned to shit later, but so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, go play games like Spider-Man 2. And I really do Persona 5 tactics, right? <laughs> well, if this is if this comes out on Christmas Day, I should probably be playing Spider-Man 2 by now because I happen to know it's one of my Christmas presents that I bought for myself. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I got uh, Spider-Man 2 for $20 because there was a what? pricing error and I managed to get in before they noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you for capitalizing on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, undermining capitalism one video game at a time. <laughs> but I was good. I was good. I didn't scalp. I only bought one copy for myself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll let you live this time. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, um, thank you for listening to our very weird episode of <laughs> a very weird Christmas special episode <laughs> of Streaming Heat. Uh, until next time, Merry Christmas, and I've been Lynn. And I've been Eric, and remember, Ismo Kaka. <laughs> See you in the new year. Goodbye.
bring in the new year with cheer and positivity by doing an episode, the first episode of the year on Rebel Moo. I knew you were going to say it. I just I fucking <laughs> knew you were going to say it. <laughs> but yeah, think about it. Rebel Moo. New year. <laughs> You're determined to make my life miserable, aren't you? 